This week on the program, oh gosh, gee, gosh, oh geez, oh I don't know, it's Fargo! I'm Andrew Jupin. Steven Sadak. Eric Siska. Chris Cabin. And we love movies. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second week of our We Love Movies extravaganza here at the ass end of the shit year 2020. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Geez. This is a real fucked up year, eh? <laughs> uh, we're, we're talking, of course, Fargo from uh, the grand year of 1996, uh, directed by, well, it's the Coen Brothers movie. Joel Cohen <laughs> directed it. Uh, but the Coen Brothers, you all know them. You all love them. Uh, and this is one of the best, one of the best C Brothers movies, I'd say. I would say so. It's it's my favorite, as I said at the end of the last episode. It's right. when when they do this thing where they can't be credited, does like Ethan Cohen have to wear like uh, an Emperor Palpatine kind of cloak and just kind of like give Joel some extra direction kind of a oh, thing? The Phantom Director. <laughs> yeah. You know what I think it might be? Because they're so stingy about like on set photos and stuff while they're working. And I think the reason is because the you know Joel Cohen as a director mm-hmm. is just him sitting on Ethan's shoulders and they've got a trench coat around them. <laughs> got it, that and exactly. that's how they direct the movies. Yeah, you know uh, <laughs> Joel Cohen is nine feet tall. It's uh, pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't know, Kevin. You ever see those Cohen brothers in person, man? I think two on top uh, on top of each other like that. That's just like an average heighted individual. <laughs> Joel Cohen's a little bit of a string bean. Ethan Cohen is definitely like five foot flat. But like Joel Cohen, I think is he, has is he a little taller. Height. Yeah, I think okay, so. Okay, okay. Either way, it's funny to imagine them in a trench coat. Together. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's fun to think about. <laughs> it is fun to think about. All right, so it's 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 a it's a it's a ladder match. A, a, a what do you call it there? A, a, a tag team ladder match. It's yes. the Duffer Brothers versus the Cohen Brothers. What do you? Oh. I mean, mm-hmm. the Duffer Brothers got the youth, but the the Cohen Brothers got the experience. You know, it's true. Yeah, I think the Coen brothers would be more likely to have an ally come out from the crowd with a chair and fucking knock one of them. Sam Raimi! (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's Sam Raimi's music! (laughs) Stop the damn match! He's shooting it with web shooters! By God, it can't be! No, it's Quentin Tarantino back from the dead! He got buried in the casket match last last Cinemania. Oh no, it's the Duffer Brothers army and children. Oh no, that's that, that crawling all over them, scratching their eyes out. Army of children. That's what they have over there, right? My God, is that Barry Sonnenfeld music? <laughs> oh my God. No, he's a fucking talent manager at that point, man. He's not swinging any chairs. Well, that's, you know, he comes out, he pretends he's part, you know, he's just the talent manager, but he's like, he's got the salt that he throws in people's eyes kind of a thing. Oh, you're right. <laughs> His little velvet pouch of salt. Barry Sonnenfeld's velvet pouch of salt. Is this his the first movie he didn't shoot for them? After the three first ones, I think so. I don't think he shot this movie. No, this is yeah. Deacons. Yeah, this yeah. is Deacons. Because, but, yeah. but he shot uh, Sunfeld shot Blood Simple, Raising Arizona, and Biller's Crossing. 
Wow, I I knew he did Blood Simple. I thought that was it though. Should have oh, yeah. stayed a DP. Might yeah, have been a good choice. Yeah. I don't like a lot of that guy's movies, although I like some of them. I like Men in Black and Get Shorty. Yeah, good yeah. movies. Yeah. There you go. I was yeah. out uh to dinner with a guy that I worked with or a guy Barry I, Sonnenfeld? No, but uh oh. his ex wife he stole his wife from Bar- Barry Sonnenfeld, so what? he tells it. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go, dude. <laughs> Oh, wow. Eat shit, Sonnenfeld. <laughs> it wasn't that hard. I got to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, have you seen the guy? She uh, didn't even say she was married. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, where to begin with a movie like oh, Fargo? You I know? got somewhere to begin. Sure. Do it up, dude. Go ahead. This is a true story. <laughs> the events depicted in this film took place in Minnesota in 1987 at the request of the survivors. The names have been changed out of respect for the dead. The rest has been told exactly uh, as it occurred. Uh, yeah, John, yeah, yeah, John, it's Joel. Could you just like be a little bit more miserable, please? I need you to be a little bit more miserable delivering all that. You know, uh, the last time I did this, I got paid in weed. Yeah, uh, yeah I know how Toby works. I know, but so no. Just, well, just, just to walk everybody through, this is John Larroquette. Right, reading the yes. opening title card uh-huh. to Fargo, which is not red. Right, that's no. that's correct. because yeah. okay. <laughs> if you look at it, it feels like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre thing. And I think the genius of this movie—I mean, there's a lot of genius of this movie—but putting that title card up there and people like being suckered into that, being yep. a, being this is obviously not true. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember though the first time because I, I saw this movie. Uh, I don't know. Let's say like early high school, like rented it on VHS. Like I was totally fooled because it's one of those things where it's like, well, why would they lie to me? <laughs> like, because <laughs> when you see those things in movies, it's like, all right, yeah, yeah okay. I, I feel like this, like being like such a big '90s movie, is what informed like the Blair Witch Project's ad campaign a little bit. I know I, that, uh, yeah, totally. Yeah, also, other horrors have done shit like that. Like we were just referencing Texas Chainsaw, but it's like. It's almost became like a '90s thing of like, oh, that movie's real. Well, it, well they, it, they they picked <laughs> from like real stuff, but like it's not it, the 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 crime of the foot going into the uh uh, uh what's it called the wood chipper? Well, wood chipper? Yeah, the wood chipper. Like that was from a case, but it has nothing to do with Minnesota, and it happened around the time they were writing this. And I mean, I think it's a thing. It's a thing where like it's just sort of like it's so it's like stranger than fiction kind of a thing. Like it feels like a true story because everybody. It's just so bonk, wonk, you know, wonky, and like the way that the people act, kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I totally see that. I mean, it's, it's just, yeah, it's that combination of like, there's all of these, you know, influences from stories of like, it's too, it's like almost too weird to write, kind of a thing. Yeah, um, which is, I mean, it's also like the Coen Brothers' bread and butter in that way. Although I will say, I think Marge, I, I think Marge Gulferson is her, uh, Gunderson is probably their best character, period. Yes. Like she may be the, of, uh, and these are guys who have made some of the best characters of the last, what, three decades of movies? Yeah. And yeah. this is the one that always sticks with me more than any of the other ones. It's so interesting because, like, she, I was actually just watching a featurette before we signed up. Oh, uh, sick. Because uh, I got the Blu ray to watch this. And the boy over here. To <laughs> throw that Blu ray money around. Yeah, I got that featurette money. Yeah, I got that wow, $14. Dude, dude I was, well, was going to say this Fargo Blu ray. What, you got fucking seven ninety nine at Target, dude? <laughs> Look at you. So, but it was uh, Francis McDormand talking about, A, how she doesn't come in through half the movie, which is interesting. I and, timed it actually. Good call, Steve. 33 minutes. 
and B, how, you know, when they were shooting the movie, they really thought it was going to be Buscemi and it was going to be the Buscemi and uh, what do you call it there? Stromer movie. You know what I mean? Right, it's going to be like, right. it's going to be this movie about these cool hitmen. They're going to be the the thing that really sticks with you because it was always like, the, and their performances were so, were so great, et cetera. Like that, the set was really buzzy about them. And then it just turned out to this thing where like, what you think about when you think about this movie is either her or William H. Macy, one, well, one or the other. She's at odds with, the worldview of the Coens, it seems. Yes. That's a big thing. I think everybody, almost every other character is settled into the world of the Coens. She, that's a good call. She's a character that doesn't seem to fit in the body of work. And not just in this movie. Like, she doesn't... Yeah, she's like an antithetical Coen Brothers character. What's interesting about her, too, is, like, she doesn't bring any of that shit home with her. Like, yes. once she, oh, yeah. Once she gets home, like, the bloody world of the Coens is outside the door and that's fine. I'm going to go watch TV and go to sleep. Exactly. I'm going to cuddle up with John Carroll Lynch and talk about his stamp contest. And I love this, that detail. And just uh, him in general is like a warm bath. Like what a, what a fucking teddy bear of a dude. In this. I want to be yeah, married. Lynch, I, want to be, I want him to be my husband. I would yes. like John yep. Carroll Lynch to be my husband. <laughs> and he looks like a husband from Minnesota or from yes. Brainerd rather. But right. like he does have that like, that's what's so great about John Carroll Lynch is he does have that everyman quality to him. It's he, a, I mean, I've, I've been saying this on this show, I think, off and on for the entire 10 years we've been on the air. But he is, when you're like, when you're talking about like underrated actors, I feel like John Carroll Lynch is the dude that like, I want to make the thing that gets him an Academy Award. You yes. know what I mean? Like, he's that fucking good, man. Should have been Zodiac, dude. He should have been Zodiac. No, it should, should have been in. Oh, 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 yes. oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, he should have also been the Zodiac Killer in real so, life, though. That's what <laughs> that also, that would be nice. He'd be a very gentle guy. Like, I want, I, I'm sorry I'm doing this. I'm really yes, sorry. Exactly. <laughs> I want him to kill me. <laughs> I like John Carroll Lynch so great. I want him to kill I, I, me. I'm sorry, Eric. I'm sorry. I really like, I, I, I know you're a fan and everything, but yeah, yeah. Here, here. I do love, <laughs> and it, she, she is very different than the rest of them. And like, she, there is like this, and that's maybe why I like this movie, maybe I do like this movie more than the rest of the Ovoir, uh, is that it's like there's a lot of hopefulness in there. It's got all the grim Coen Brothers shit that you want, but there are notes of like hope and niceness and like it and warmth that actually makes it a little more balanced for me. She's uh, she's still surprised by the world a little bit. Yes. Everybody else has kind of accepted it. She's yeah. still surprised by these little things and like kind of sees the real actual sadness of it all. Well, and that's what's great about the little speech that she gives at the end when she's driving Peter Stormare in after she arrests him, right? It's like she just saw this dude uh, fucking shoving a leg in a wood chipper and then like, you know, had to shoot him down because he was running away from her and everything. And like you can tell that she still legitimately feels sorry for this guy. Yes. And isn't like judging him in the way that you would see a cop normally in a movie. This fucking piece of shit. Right. Like, you know, she's yeah. just like, it's such a nice day outside, and you went and did this, and oh, that just doesn't oh, just, make sense to me. Just for a little bit of money, like how yeah. silly. It's like the world of this violence and insanity. It's just, it's at, at its heart, it's it's stupid. And, yeah, and, and it Incredibly is. And I mean, like that's sort of what you know. You see that in how dirt stupid William H Macy is, and how dirt stupid. Uh, uh, Carl Showalter's Steve Buscemi. By the way, is this the best movie? And, and to me, anyway, it's it's the best Francis McDormand movie. It's the best William H Macy movie. It's the best Steve Buscemi movie, and that's saying something. I, to me, anyway, 
I'd have to question some of those, but yeah, you're. But it would be definitely in top three contention every Which is time. Just crazy, and it's and it's also one of the one, at least one of the best Coen Brothers movies. Yes. So it's like just it's this huge conflagration of like things that I love at their best. It's probably also the best Peter Stormare movie. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. No, you're totally right. I mean, Constantine, mm, Constantine, yeah. ooh, ooh, ooh. Mm, Constantine. Bad Boys Two, mm, uh, uh, B- Brothers Grimm, ooh. Cosmonaut in the Armageddon. Oh right. <laughs> So do you think Michael Bay liked uh, Fargo so much that he cast both Buscemi and uh, Peter Stormare? You have to. I I think Michael Bay saw Fargo and was like, that's the movie I can never make. Fuck. Let let me just get some people associated with it, though. Yeah, like he he really picked over the Coen brothers over over uh, their, their cast list. Always shows up in Michael Bay movies. But has I, William H. Macy been in a Michael Bay movie? I feel like he has to have been, right? I feel like he could have been like a government official in something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know for sure. But no, like, he's, just, that, he's been strapped to the shameless rock for 44 years <laughs> at the cliffs of fucking God knows where. He's not allowed out. Showtime Mordor. I mean, that, but like, that's the thing is they do this like sardonic, skeptical, cynical, maybe uh, viewpoint so well. Because they're never, they never see the cool of it. It's yes. always stupid. Right, it's right. always undermined by their humanity. And that's every a, time. A contrast with like, uh, you know, this is what ninety six. So yeah. the Tarantino knockoffs were in full effect. Pulp Fiction was just two two years prior, and Steve Buscemi was in Reservoir Dogs. And that whole like coolness of crime is subverted here really to be dumb big time yeah there's no like we're walking in slow motion with sunglasses on in this movie i one thing this is how we can start getting into the actual movie is this is a movie of some of the most fantastic dive bars and garbage like nebraska (laughs) bar like werewolf bars as well uh all kinds like just you little hopping into these little like wood paneled Mm -hmm. bars chris i would sell both of your eyes to go to the king of clubs (laughs) I would sell both of them. Got to catch me the, first. <laughs> the king, the king of clubs, mm-hmm. is uh, our first location here. After some very like creepy snow footage of William H Macy driving the car, uh, you know, towing the other car that he's giving to them, you know, and the fucking music here, yeah. very Cohen's the use of music. Oh here. man, Carter Burwell, uh, yeah. their their partnership with him all time. Yep. Like as far as. Uh, uh, music, you're working with a, a conductor like that. I don't know who else has this kind of relationship. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like the swells of orchestration oh, here. Clint Eastwood and himself. Yeah. They have yeah. that kind of... <laughs> I like a lot of Clint Eastwood scores. I, do. I just I don't like do the too. movies they're in. <laughs> um, man, but this old bastard bar is so, so nice. And, and again, you know, the Coen Brothers is also amazing at casting extras in general. Like you look at yep. any of their movies, their extras are doing a lot of like lifting in, in the background like they should be like it, mm-hmm. they're almost established they establish the location so well i'm also coming to mind thinking of like oh brother where art thou and everyone in that looks like they belong to the period absolutely and i thought about that here too because when william h macy walks into the bar Stormare and buscemi are like sitting in the back and when he comes into the front of the establishment you have to look past all of these like regular degular barfly dudes and they i mean everything about this is perfect the fucking like they're still in like snowsuits while they're playing pool yep. bad trucker hats warm beers on the pool there, table you know there's the gambling desk as soon as you walk in right to your right like you're not being seated by those people that's where you put your cards for the lotto 
Oh, is that what that was? I yeah. totally missed that. And like, uh, what's the, th- the pick six or whatever you do on the TV? Oh, oh, dude. oh, um, oh, what is that called? The I used to be obsessed one. with Pico? that at the bar. Pico? No, like it's um, quick. Quick draw. Quick draw. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. I lost a lot of money on quick draw, man. Is that right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know why. That bar what are you, we... 63 years old? <laughs> we used to go to this bar and I would just gamble at it. Oh, the just, hilltop? Yes. I would go yeah. there and I would just like, I mean, like, you know. I college. need my numbers to come up. <laughs> Where are my numbers? <laughs> right. Daddy to, needs another Guinness. You used to have to wear a sport coat to go to that bar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And now you could do it with your pants off. <laughs> Well, that bar did burn down. So. <laughs> no, uh, it did. Uh, yeah, no, but yeah, I love it. I love the detail of they've got all these beers in front of him. He's an hour late. There's a yep. misunderstanding. How about de- Carl Showalter camped into the Millennium Falcon? <laughs> this my year's... first mate, Stroy Mayer. You, you want someone kidnapped? <laughs> yes, I'm, the, I'm a Swedish Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> pancake house. <laughs> pancake house. <laughs> I love Gare Grimsrud is his name or some shit. It's so good. Whatever I love the, it is. I love the detail that he's pissed. He, like he's like throwing it in, in uh, Macy's face. He's like, he peed three times already. <laughs> yeah, <totally. laughs> like this guy had to break the fucking seal. We've been waiting so long. <laughs> I've been here sitting in silence. Do you know what this being with this guy is like? That is the best detail between the two of them is just Peter Stormay refusing to talk to him. And it drives Buscemi crazy. I love it because he's just, I mean, because Buscemi is always playing these motor mouth characters. So, like, obviously a dude like that not getting that reciprocation in the conversation would drive yeah. him insane. And Stormare is kind of like a proto-Anton Chigar a bit. Yep. Yes. Ooh, yeah. Good call, dude. Especially when he grabs that state trooper by the hair and shoots him in the head. I quickly mentioned we did it an episode on No Country for Old Men earlier this year on our Patreon feed. You, you know what's interesting about this is because we just watched No Country not too long ago. Like, I think No Country is exactly the movie everybody wanted them to make after this. Mm, yeah. instead, that's, they, instead, they went and made Lebowski. But that's by the, the thing. Way. Remember, Big Lebowski had this huge backlash when it came out. Oh yeah, like nobody wanted to see it because it wasn't a cool crime movie, right? Like right, so, right, right. but like now it's considered one of their best, and like No Country would have been exactly what they would have wanted after this. And I mean, but that's what's interesting. It's good that they didn't yeah, do that. Absolutely, you know? took um, a decade and- to get back to it. That's right. I mean, because you, I was looking at their filmography last night, and like, yeah, after this, you know, they hit Lebowski, and then it just goes on this totally different jag. What's and, after and that? And they're not the crime guys. Was oh, it? What, um, what was after Lebowski? Was that, was that the man who wasn't there? I think it's Oh Brother in okay. 2000 is what they did after and then Lebowski. And wasn't there. Yep, right, right. That's right. Now, Oh Brother was such a hit and like such a comedy caper type of thing. I, I love them just going the opposite direction and doing that weird, moody fucking Billy Bob Thornton movie, which I do love. It's an amazing movie. I got to go back to that one. That's one I've not seen in a very long time. God tier Gandolfini. Just like some of the best work he ever did. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, they just, they sort of, they're early 2000s after men who wasn't there isn't great because that was the the back-to-back intolerable cruelty and then the lady killers yeah nobody wanted those movies i still think and maybe i'm wrong like they're not good but i feel like if anyone else directed it if it was like a first-time filmmaker we would be singing its praises in a bit like oh it's it's coen brothers esque or something oh what intolerable or lady killers like if either of those came out of uh anywhere but here 
I feel like <laughs> the reception would have been a, a little bit warmer than it was. I think you're probably right because I, I mean, I just feel like after Man Who Wasn't There, I mean, that run of, I mean, Jesus, I, I, I was saying that run, but just looking at the filmography, the run is from 1984 yes. until 2001, you know? So like, it's just a slew of good movies. And then you get to Intolerable Cruelty, which was like slightly lesser. And I think you're right, Eric. It was just, we were expecting... Cohen quality, I've, so like I've a little. I've turned that movie off twice. I can't. I can't. Oh, I can't, really? I can't join you, gentlemen, on this part. But, um, but yeah. So and then you know, No Country was like that. The super return to form, and that was fucking three years after Lady Killers. Funny enough, Serious Man, I love. They they returned back to the Midwest, which is an awesome, awesome. I, movie. That's still I haven't seen that movie. Oh, I've really? Come, yeah, I've come to the opinion that it was the run from Blood Simple to Man Who Wasn't There, a two movie breather. And then the it was another run to me. Yeah. I think everything from No Country on has been either very good or great. Oh, uh, you know, I got uh, we. Uh, I've been so uh, infatuated with our buddies, the Cohen. I forgot to do something. Uh, can I just play real quick? Hey there, I'm Gary Busey. Happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary to you, people chicken. Happy anniversary to you, people chicken. Happy anniversary, happy anniversary. That's pretty good. Oh, look at that. You might have noticed the theme song uh, for for this, or I won't say theme song, but you may have noticed the audio cue was not the usual coming soon. Uh, that was, was that Gary Busey? Yeah, that was actually Gary Busey. This is not a joke. That was Gary Busey. <laughs> this uh, was, uh, thanks to the, the, uh, the Muldoon's basement, uh, uh, an offshoot of Muldoon's pub, a Facebook groups that, uh, follow the show that we love, uh, that they got together and put some money together and got Gary Busey on cameo. They fucking jumped us guys. They totally. fucking jumped. Unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. Now Busey's out of the running, but we greatly appreciate they did it as a, you know, a 10 years thing. And I guess we should say, I mean, this week that this episode is airing, I mean, this is the 10th anniversary week of We Hate Movies. Um, so that's yeah. years. That's Ten a lot. Years. That's a lot. A I've done, I, there's not a lot of things that I've done for 10 years straight. Poop. Uh, yeah, pooping. Yes, um, definitely. I've masturbated twenty five and a half, maybe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> good on, good on the, uh, two, two and a half decades there. Uh, yeah, maybe there you something, go. Something Congrats, like dude. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. Wait, wait, is wait? No, this is the so this is a game where you masturbate mm -hmm. and we give you points, right? Yes, exactly. Yep. It's like now, who's it's, it's, it anyway? <laughs> that's exactly right, dude. You know, we're looking at things like form, uh, you know, uh, uh, time, pacing, you know, duration. Is huge. 
Pacing uh, is very big. Yes, I would yep. play party quirks. Uh, yep. Soundtrack. <laughs> Up and the next group. Now it's like the National Dog Show. It's the edging group. Here we go. Whoa, 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 whoa! All right, so okay, we've the- got the lubers next. Oh yeah, uh, no, think about this. Whoop. Like, yeah, like dude, like naked dudes with erections walking around in a circle while like some lady pulls them on a leash and like touches their nuts. That is one hundred percent a movie thank somewhere. You, I'm telling you, you right you, now. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank remember you. that erudite conversation we were having about the Coen Brothers filmography five minutes ago? That was <laughs> yeah. cool. Yeah, uh, though, anyway. and, and that's that's you know what? That's a great point, Steve. Thank you for uh, highlighting the fact that things on we hate movies can just slip away sometimes <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, slip away this is a game let's get to the game i'm sorry yes. for interrupting no no you're fine this is the vhs trailer game america's favorite game involving obsolete materials uh <laughs> fun fact here i had to cheat because a uh which you'll always, find out it's always been a cheat with you <laughs> uh the batman mask of the phantasm episode i thought that i was gonna have a trailer but i didn't and then on fargo i i get my tape out there's no fucking trailers what so what, what i did was i went on youtube and i found that, that if you just type in like vhs trailers for movies uh for that that were attached to movies you will get them for the most part and fargo there was a uk edition of Ooh. Fargo that had trailers on it. And I'm talking, this was released by Polygram Entertainment. So we're yep. talking indie stuff you do not remember. Oh, this oh is going to be a tough one. Oh, get your yeah. indie oh, so, hats on. Steve, if you had to get these from a, a UK like VHS rep, is it like, coming soon to theaters? <laughs> like, pretty much, no. It's, it's, it, there's actually, it's weird because there's like real deal like commercials in mm. it. Like, like uh, there's a, 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 a kind of almost racist uh, uh, Levi's jeans commercial. Uh, wow. Other Wait. things, and then how's, at the oh, you how is it racist though? Well, it's like it's a it's about like a, two guys on a chain gang, and one guy's an African American gentleman, and like dogs are chasing him. Oh, oh, boy. Yep, yeah, exactly. That's, that's, I'm like, that's, this isn't cool. Yeah, this is not sexy. Look at Levi's. what America's like, but the <laughs> jeans are cheeky. Exactly. <laughs> the uh, but speaking of cheekiness, the end of it is this guy. It's a sketch, practically. And it's this guy like, all right, $5, $5 for a movie, or five quid for a movie. He's like, hey, mate, you sold me a movie last week, and the sound was terrible. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, that's because that was train spot, and you can't understand what they're saying. He's like, no, no, the track was rubbish, and the picture was bad, too. It's like, you'll never know with pirated videos what quality you're going to get. Wow! <laughs> it is, it's kind of worth watching. I mean, I'll post the link. Uh... That's pretty good. You got to sift through 17 minutes. Okay, so three three trailers. <laughs> As you understand, I'm going to give everyone five clues. Uh, the first uh, decreasing in in point order there, and I'll, I'll say that every time. And once one of you guesses within that round, you yeah. are out for that round. So if you guess on the first one, the rest the four clues that we go through, which we might go through all five this time around. <laughs> oh, um, I bet. You will be out for it. so keep that in mind, ladies and gentlemen. And mm-hmm. it's uh, it's going to be a buzzer system, so I have to get my uh, I have to look at the chat room here. Raising of the hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Here uh, we go. All right. So the first <laughs> clue, and I remember this is like just keep keep in mind this is like ninety six, ninety seven, indie-ish movie kind of a place. And is this just the regular clue, or is this the uh, Game Master? This is clue? the Game Master's clue for five. Jame Master. No, it's not Jame. That was a, a misspeak that uh, the internet just loves so much when I fuck up. And I got a lot. Of, I got a lot to do here, guys. I got a lot to fucking do. Tomato, tomato. Game Master, Jame Master. 
This is going great. <laughs> Game Master's Clue uh-huh. for five points. A pre-LA Confidential LA Confidential led by one of WHM's favorite impressions. Hmm. Mm. Fuck. All right. It, it, no takers? No, I mean, it's... Give me so, a second. It's think. not just... LA Confidential as like that wasn't a remake. No, no, no. Yeah, it's just it's, it's, no, it's an LA, LA Confidential esque yes. film, motion picture, yeah. led by yeah. one of WHM's favorite impressions. Can like I ask this. questions at all? Not, not yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What's what's your question, Chris? Is it a period piece in that, or do you just mean in that it's it, about it, detectives? It is, I will, I will, I will give you guys. It is a period piece. Okay. Hmm. I got nothing. Okay. Uh, so now for four points. Jack Nicholson was offered the role of Chief Bill Parker. He declined, but recommended Bruce Dern for the part. Recommended Bruce Dern for the part, but doesn't necessarily mean that Bruce Dern is in this movie. Oh, Chris Cabin. Is this Lone Star? Uh, you are incorrect, sir. <laughs> Cabin is Sit out. Down. Sit down. <laughs> uh, IMDb tagline three, for three points. This isn't America. This is Los Angeles. For some reason, that kind of rang a bell, but oh man, you weren't kidding, Steve. This is the top one. All right, uh, star number two. This is for two points. Chris Penn. Oh, Oh, ah, now I can see the goddamn (laughs) video cover. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Oh, crap. Shit. I'm just going to keep taunting you guys and see if you guys (laughs) make a mistake too. Uh, I I don't think I'm gonna get it. All yeah, right, what, this is and the the favorite WH impression was Bruce Stern. Is that what you're saying? No, for 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 one point. Uh, this is for one point. Still one one clue left. The star of the film is Nick Nolte. Mm-hmm. Ah, yep. You know I, the movie I, is. I, you just don't know the title. Yeah, I can see. I'm looking right <laughs> at that goddamn cover. Eric has raised his hand. I'm just going to guess it's going to be wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mulholland Falls? That is That's one it. point for Eric Siska. Whoa. Holy shit. Yep. I think, Andrew, you mentioning the VHS cover, in the, and I was like, <laughs> I, I remember it. Can I pull it? Can I pull it? Can I pull it? Wow, good job, dude. That is Woo. a stay tuned and a half. It, it's got the fattest cast imaginable. It's fucking like it's Nick Nolte, Chris Penn, Michael Madsen. Isn't John Malkovich the bad guy? John Malkovich is the bad guy. Jennifer Connelly is involved. Wow. It is. Yeah, it's like an LA confidential. They're like bruisers, but then stuff goes on. The atom bomb ha- plays very heavily yep. in the it. The bomb is involved. <laughs> yes. Man, I've always just, I, not, I haven't like avoided Mulholland Falls. I've just never seen it. And. Oh, now that I know that the bomb is involved. <laughs> it's Dan- Danny Baldwin's in it as well, I think. Possibly. I'm I, almost ooh, positive. Yeah, you'll Danny find Baldwin. Daniel Baldwin at the bottom of a cast like that, I bet. <laughs> all right, so no, all right, so moving on to round two. Uh, this one's also tough. Uh, <laughs> okay. Awesome. Game Master's Clue for five points. A Gen X age gap love story that centers around a boarding school. Ooh. Ooh, cradle robbing, huh? Mm-hmm. A little bit something, something. Granny shagging? Yeah. <laughs> mm. I cannot confirm or deny granny shagging. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, that's, that's Andrew. Uh, are, are we talking... Oh, fuck. The crush? No, wrong. Damn it. Uh, Andrew's out. Uh, 
All right. Uh, do we want? Do we want to move on to the next clue? Sure. Let's, yeah, let's do another clue. After uh, Tribune trivia, after multiple cuts and dubbing out of language, the film went from an R rating to a PG thirteen. The lead actress was very disappointed in the final cut of the film and did not promote when it was released. She also had issues with the last minute title change from "The Girl You Want." <laughs> uh, we got Kevin. A circle of friends. Incorrect. Ooh. This might be Eric Siska sweeping well, out here. I mean, I'm I'm not going to get it right. So uh, I, I, you don't have to guess right now if you don't want to. Sure. Let's do another clue. I mean, I'll go for bottom points on everything. <laughs> IMDb tagline: <laughs> No one stays innocent forever. I'm going to guess this is not going to be right. Riding in cars with boys. Oh, you're so close. It is just boys yeah. with Lucas Haas and Winona Ryder. Oh yeah, fuck. Oh, I wouldn't have known it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because Lucas Haas would be the next clue that might have given it to you. But that's it. So that that's done. Now, the third and final round of this indie volume of the VHS trailer game. Fucking brutal. brutal. Uh, game Master's Clue. Nominated for five Oscars, including Best Picture, an English dramedy that employs that explores class and racial divides. Oh, God. Where did you get that one from? <laughs> I, that's my Game Master's Clue, my friend. Uh, English... Uh, dramedy, you're saying? Dramedy is the word. Uh, f- five Oscar nominations didn't win a single one. <laughs> uh, so think about the 97, 98, or maybe even the 99 Oscars. I don't know how that worked. Uh, late 90s Oscars, English movies, dramedies. Mm. Racial divides. Racial divides, eh? Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Uh, we're we're going to move on to Tribune tri- on. Trivia, which is not going to help yeah. you, but is hilarious. <clears throat> Uh, members of the Heaven Gate, Heaven's Gate cult went to see this movie shortly before their mass suicide. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Oh, man. And you know what, dude? I kind of feel like at the time of Heaven's Gate, I remember that they definitely reported this. Because mm-hmm. that, that, like them seeing a movie what has like vague thing? recollections. And this, this movie drove them to suicide. <laughs> yes. I, think, I think that they were like, oh, fuck. The Hale-Bopp Comet's coming sooner than we thought. We just saw this movie. Oh man! Um, IMD- okay. IMDb tagline: Roxanne drives her mother crazy. Maurice never speaks to his niece. Cynthia has a shock for her father. Monica can't talk to her husband. Hortense has never met her mother. Oh God! Yeah, the British. I feel like I have an idea of what directors it might be, but yeah. I'm not grasping anything but, here. What? So, can you say the first clue again, Steve? Uh, the nominated for five. Oscars, including Best Picture, an English dramedy that explores class and racial divides. Hmm. I'm dramedy. Gonna... Okay. Is you got to raise your hand if you're going to guess. <laughs> this is Chris Cabin. Is this Four Weddings and a Funeral? It is not Four Weddings and a Funeral. See, that's what I was kind of leaning towards, Cabin, but I was like, ah. I think that's earlier. I think that's an earlier. Yeah, that is too. a little earlier in the, in the day. All right, star number one. Okay. Timothy Spall. Man. <laughs> oh, oh god damn it. <laughs> I knew Chris would be pissed. Timothy Spall. Uh, god, I feel like is this like a fucking Mike Lee movie I'm not thinking of? I was thinking that or Stephen Frayers or something, but Oh right, yeah. La- last clue here, guys. Uh-huh. Brenda Blevin. Oh god. It's not a clue. <laughs> yeah, that's a fucking <laughs> riddle. I do know what it is though. <laughs> Fuck. Fucking god damn it. All right. uh, I'm gonna. It's another zero, man. I I can't think of it. Yeah, right. not even a guess. Just think. Uh, throw out a British movie that you, you remember from the '90s, maybe being nominated for an Oscar. It was very big. 
It was a, it was a big movie. See, all the stuff I'm thinking of I know is too late. Mm. Uh, God, the 90s. Uh, uh, all right, I'm just going to give. Oh, uh, Andrew's buzzed in. Uh, Topsy Turvy? No. Incorrect. Uh, okay. All right, I'll, I'll buzz in for no reason. Notting Hill. Nope. Uh, nope. Secrets and Lies, <laughs> yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Uh, oh, Mike Lee. Mike Lee. It's a Mike Lee. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Dan. You know what? Here's a bonus round for five points. If any, the first person to buzz in and correctly tell me what the fuck this movie is, will get five points. Moonlight and Valentino, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Chris Cabin. That's a John Bon Jovi. He's a carpenter, and a bunch of like women are hanging out together. Yep, that's correct. Yep. That's five wow. points for Cabin. What the fuck? <laughs> sudden, sudden fucking bonus round. Just throwing points out. <laughs> I didn't even think I was paying attention. Yeah, all right, I, you know what? I, I, you know, I'll, I'll dock Chris all the way down to three because he's, he's, he's in the lead. That's fair. <laughs> wow. That was, I feel like I just got my El- ass kicked. Elizabeth Perkins <laughs> is in that one? She is. Elizabeth yeah. Per- yeah. Uh, what is this movie? It's, it's like, just, they're all like, hang- like, it's a bunch of like big actresses from the 90s, like hanging out and like in a house. And John Bon Jovi is fixing the house and they're all, they're all in like in love with him. Kind yeah, of. And, it's, so and it's called what? Moonlight, Moonlight and Valentino. And- Moonlight and Valentino. That was, and there's, there's okay. other movies too that I just did. Heaven's Prisoners was on here. I, I couldn't even begin to make a clue. Don't for know that. what oh, that is. Man, Heaven's <laughs> Prisoners is bad. That's Alec Baldwin doing like a detective in New Orleans movie. Yes, exactly. Oh, so is that, he is he doing a big crawdad accent? Yeah, he does have a really bad accent in it. Yes. Anyway, so I just wanted to let everybody know. So that's where we're at. Uh, yes, yeah, so that was tough, Steve. Where do, man. where do we stand on the point system? Okay, I'm going to get to you right now. Uh, it is. Andrew currently right now has 19 points. Eric has 11. Jesus uh, fuck. <laughs> Chris. Chris has 26. Okay. And the guests who are only Angelica have five points. Wow. So that's it. So you're Ooh. beating the guests, Eric, for sure. Okay, you, yeah. Wonderful. You keep, you keep getting those one pointers, dude. You're gonna really you're really gonna <laughs> fucking sweep this thing. God, yep. that was like when the VHS trailer game curb stomps you. <laughs> it was Ooh. a tough one, dude. All right, so Fargo, we're at the we're at the King of Clubs. Yes, <laughs> that's right. The first scene of the movie. Uh, yeah. So I mean, you know, this is he's setting up the whole thing. Bill Macy has hired these guys to kidnap his wife, uh, trying to extort money from his father-in-law because he doesn't believe that the father-in-law is going to go for this parking lot pitch oh. idea. Oh yeah, burned Umber Sierra right there <laughs> in the parking lot. Oh yeah, Thank Jerry Lundergaard. <laughs> these are the worst cars I've ever seen in my life. Like, dude, it is garbage, top it's to like- bottom. Like, why would you buy a car that's the same color as a raisin, dude? <laughs> it looks like a turd on the road. A big steel turd. These are the worst cars in cinema. But they are exactly what these characters would have. Like, yes. that's, yes. that's what yep. I love about them. Is that, like, it fits. It totally fits. Late, it's mine. Late, Ameri- late 80s American trash. Yep. Just these gross ass boxy cars colored like turds for some reason. <laughs> Man, it is just shitty. You ever you ever just see a car driving down the road and it's like the absolute worst color for a car and you're like, what were they thinking? You wouldn't believe the car I saw driving down the road the other day. Is that right? Not to make this longer, make a car cast here. <laughs> um, but no, I saw like an old, probably like a late 80s pickup truck and they had like done their own bedazzling to it where they... they <laughs> Yeah. Broke, they broke numerous mirrors and made like these mirror strips on it. Is that even legal? That's like, what I was thinking. Because I was like, 
I was like driving behind it and I'm like seeing my headlights in it. I'm like, what the fuck happens what? at night? Do I get blinded? The, seriously, they're going to be like beaming people off the road left and right. Is this guy hanging out his window saying, yeah, take a look at yourself first. <laughs> <laughs> you want to judge me, motherfucker? Look at you. <laughs> uh, he sounds like he's the right kind of crazy. I, yeah. I think this guy's cool now. Yeah, you I like get to see Jerry Lundergaard do his magic, uh, selling this guy that fucking car with the true code on it. Or you're oh gonna want that God. true code. And this guy is calling him. This guy. You're a, you're a fucking liar. Fuck you, please. The Bucky, wife you. like Bucky, please. Bucky, you're, you're a goddamn liar. <laughs> Bucky, like he's like this is like too vulgar. The whole yep. like niceness of the Midwest yes. is interesting that they explore in this movie. It, yeah. it is oh, so fun, time. like all that tension here, where this guy does want to rip him to shreds. Also, like the idea of like having to be a car salesman. This is how you make your money. You have to do these upsells, and yes, you get into the like. It's just perfect for Jerry Lundergaard to just be belittled immediately by this dude. Absolutely, and it's I mean, and it's such a scum fuck move. Yes, of course, that he's pulling on this guy. You know, the guy is like saying to him, like, "Look, we agreed. I don't want this true coat shit." And like the whole time, like Macy agrees to that at a meeting we don't see and then here he's like saying to the guy like well it comes standard like we get it from the fucking you know auto manufacturer that way like what a piece of well, shit so what is a, a a bucky would that mean his full name is buckminster <laughs> I buckwad but i don't know yeah that's what i'm like bucky and Buckwold? captain america also gave me this i'm like great question what's what an actual bucky what is bucky short for I would think uh, it's Buckminster, you know, but I don't know. It could be uh, Richard. It could be a middle name. Uh, I Bruce? googled it too. It says Bucky can be short for Buchanan, which is oh, a weird that's name. A, yeah, that's oh, a Minnesota Buchanan. Name. Oh, we were at the car lot last week, and Buchanan went off on the salesman. <laughs> oh, he nearly know. blew his stack there. <laughs> hey. Oh yes, Buchanan. He raised his his hand. Hello, Buchanan. <laughs> you know the other thing that's fucked up about that though is after this dude is like telling him off or whatever, they still buy this car. Yeah, he's just getting my checkbook. Well, it's, it's great. I, I do love he does this, this scumbag thing. He's like. Well, I oh geez, I gotta go talk to my boss, and it's this great oh. thing where he's like, "Got any more tickets to the Gopher game?" And it's like, "No." <laughs> but I think he says, "Are you serious?" Yes. yes. Yep, that's right. And, I mean, and that's the thing you get from the the previous scene. The, the I mean, there's just a, a quick in between between uh, the King of Clubs bar and this scene where he's getting yelled at at, at the auto shop. Or I mean, the, the auto car shop. Lot. The, the 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 lot scene is much later. No, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. The, the true code scene, I'm saying. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. There's stuff in between that where we see his home life in Minneapolis and the father-in-law is at the house. Oh, dude, this guy. He's watching f that. F it's AHL or lower hockey on the TV. He's, you know, oh, you got the Gophers on there, you know, and he he makes the pitch to him at dinner for the 750K for this parking lot. And the, the father-in-law, like... I mean, this guy's great because he just despises yeah. William H. Macy's character in this movie so well. But he's got the, you know, he says, uh, you know, Macy's trying to pitch him on this thing. And he's like, well, you know, uh, this could be a real great opportunity for, uh, you know, me and Gene and Scotty. And he just goes, Gene and Scotty never have to worry. <laughs> it's just like, but I don't care if you die in the fucking street. <laughs> Jerry, play the long game here, yeah. you know? Yep. How this long guy's is this guy going to be around? Exactly. And, and it seems like your wife, uh, who's a, a sweetheart who's going to die, uh, is, you know, she's going to be fairly, like, free-flowing with the money once the money gets to her. Oh, exactly yeah. Exactly right. 
You just gotta. Yeah, I, I agree with. I agree with Eric here. Well, the other thing too is Macy is in some sort of trouble, which I love. You never really understand what it is. It seems There's, like he took out like a three hundred twenty thousand dollar loan for, I guess, the car fleet, and then like, I is he underwater with that, or is that just him trying to cover up stealing that well, one car to yep, give? It's it's him trying to cover up the right. the stealing the car to give to Buscemi. So what are the Stormare. other financial straits here? He's in. I mean, it can't be just an investment here. Yeah, it's a, but the, yeah, then the, this guy's just really pissed off about this three hundred twenty thousand dollars, and he keeps calling Eric, uh, Chris's favorite character Fucking here. Fucking Riley Diefenbach. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> if no, it I wasn't for Riley Diefenbach, no, that's what I'm saying to you is I can't read the facts. <laughs> My patience well, is at an end. Oh, yeah, that's a great way when you leave it a voicemail. Oh, well, I'll just fax you over. No, no, I can't read the facts. I, I, I mean, send it. I, no, 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 I meant to fax it. No, 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 I meant to send it. Man, that whole phone conversation, you're just like, so much of this movie is just like the slowly clenching asshole, just watching William H. Macy like get deeper into it. And like that conversation, like you just like, I'm trying, I know that I'm fucking this guy over and he kind of knows it and it's getting really close to a boiling point. Like, man, just like the feelings you get watching this dude hang himself slowly. It's unbelievable. So one thing we should talk about, uh, Coming from the first bar scene, though, is Eric's favorite character, Shep Proudfoot. Oh, man, I love Shep Proudfoot. He's so good. Even in not just like whipping uh, Steve Buscemi's ass later in the film, but just his dialogue with uh, Margie and other people. Just that simple one word answers. He's the worst criminal in the world. So one, you go to a guy you work with, you barely know who clearly doesn't like you, by the way. You ask him for criminal recommendations. Then you give them those people a car from your lot. Like everything comes back <laughs> yep. to you, dude. And Proudfoot and Proudfoot is embroiled in it as well. Like yes. that seems to me where the key of all this is. Is there something went on between Shep and uh, Jerry, and that's where a lot of this three hundred twenty thousand thing went came from. Probably, yeah, because I don't know why, because Shep, like, when he's talking, he's like, oh, yeah, I talked to your friends up there in uh, Fargo, and he's like, uh-huh, and it's just like, <laughs> yeah, it's going to go pretty good there, and it's like that kind of a thing, and, like, he just doesn't, he hates this guy. Yeah. And like, I mean, there's probably some sort of, like, a finder's fee situation yeah, sure. that Shep Proudfoot's waiting on, uh, you know, for making that connection to Buscemi and whatever, and I think, like, the guy playing Shep Proudfoot just does such a great job at that whole, like, I am keeping myself distanced from this. I I am acknowledging that I hear what you're saying, but I also kind of have no idea what you're talking mm-hmm. about, Jerry. Get it, dude? You know, it's just so awesome. Steve Revis is this actor's name. The Lake Oh, thank I, I couldn't find him in the IMDb lineup here. Uh, yeah, just, uh, just yeah, again, shitting where you eat here, Jerry Lundegaard. You're just the fucking worst. Like the plan <laughs> sort of makes sense. Like, you're going to kidnap your wife. You're going you're gonna to you know, fleece your fucking father-in-law. To Eric's point, definitely play the long game. But, you know, yep. fleece your father-in-law. Get a million bucks out of that. Also, what are you going to do? I mean, aside from like get like, so you get this million dollars, you're going to buy this lot. And everyone's like, yo, where'd you get that money from? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, There's no way that ends at well, like in well, any well. Yeah, because it's like you have to launder it or you can't just put it in the bank. And then like you can't just like buy a parking lot in cash, I imagine. 
But I don't know. Maybe you can. Unless you're just like going, your whole plan is like, fuck this whole situation. I'm going to, you know, Mexico and I'm going to live right. out my days with a million bucks. That's the, way, that's the only way you could do that, really. That's a good idea, by the way, especially <laughs> the way things are going here stateside. I mean, but that explains <laughs> the whole relationship between Wade and uh, Jerry is the fact that like what Jerry wants is for his fucking father-in-law to give him money and leave him the fuck alone to do a business deal. Yes. Where, right. in fact, he's like, no, 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 I don't like you, Jerry, but I like the money. That's the best part. So he's, he keeps talking about his buddy, Stan Grossman, uh, who's his business partner. Like, well, uh, well, I did a ton of order, Stan Grossman. And he's like, well, yeah, yeah, Stan thinks it's a good deal, too. And they have this meeting wherein basically they're cutting him out. But it makes sense, too, because like, because uh, Jerry just wants a loan to do this investment and then get all the money for himself. They're like, well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Because it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to give you money and then just, you know, as a loan, take the risk of possibly never getting it back. And then when you make profit, you make profit. And I don't. We're not a bank. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. And we're we're just, not a bank, Jerry. Just the uncomfortableness. I, get, I mean, it, this movie is kind of like crime curb your enthusiasm. Yes. Because you're just, again, watching this dude. These two men in this scene take their pants down and take a dump on this guy. Like, <laughs> right also, in this boardroom. Just take the finder's fee. It was supposed to be like 75K you're going to be given by, these, yep. by, by your father-in-law. And in 20, 30 years, you inherit that fucking parking lot anyway. This is exactly. It's curb your enthusiasm for like non-rich people. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, take that 75K. 75K in 1987 fucking yeah, you're fine, dude. upper midwest america money look yeah. out dude you're living high on the hog it's not bad like the thing he's just too i guess greedy and that's i he's, guess the heart of the he, problem he's that's why crime happens well yeah he's <laughs> desperate and he's depressed i mean that's why the ending is so like jarring to watch him squeal like that oh, dude yes. he's squealing like a pig in that motel <laughs> dude and, out of the fucking oof. window it is it is <laughs> underwear and like you get to see how small he is compared to everybody else he's huge hulking dudes he's got no chance oh man and william h Macy, dude doing a great job of just screaming oh it's awesome uh while all this is going on we should say Stormare and buscemi are in the the stolen car and this is pancakes house <laughs> are you on pancakes house had pancakes for fucking breakfast man i want a steak and a beer pancake <laughs> stare god damn it Peter Stormare <laughs> stare exactly. <laughs> Peter Stormare is such a gift, man. And, and he's smoking with the window closed, oh, which is just yeah. an asshole That's move. That's the thing is, perpetually he always has like a cigarette hanging from his lip. It's like one of these yep. little idiosyncrasy. What's the word I'm looking for? Idiosyncrasy. Thank you. Yeah. And to the point where at the end, he's when he's even putting. Buscemi into the fucking wood chipper. <laughs> yep. It's still there. When he's running from Margie Gunderson, it is still there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Buscemi's thing here is like, all right, look, we'll stop. We'll get pancakes and then we'll get laid. All right. <laughs> get well, I love um, I was, I was this this thing where Stormare is talking about his first day of shooting or whatever. Oh, back to Featurette Boy. Featurette here. Boy okay. over here. And he's, <laughs> is this he, part of the game? He reads, not everything I do is a game, Eric. Okay, I'm Some sorry. Of none of jam. you assholes know what the fuck secrets and lies okay. was. <laughs> I'm going to press X to ride. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, it's Stormare and like he's he's doing this scene and he reads the script. It's his pancakes house. He's like, oh, okay. And he re reads, he's like, uh, I want to go to Pancake House. And then uh, Ethan Cox is like, um, excuse me. And he's like, what? He's like, ah, the line is pancakes. He's like, oh, I thought there was a typo. He's like, 
There are no typos in our scripts. Oh man, get out of your own asshole! <laughs> I think because again, like they, the dialogue is so specific, and like even reading like um, every stutter that uh, Macy does is in the script. Like, is they, that right? The ums, the errs, the the, the broken off sentences, and that's they. Great. That's uh, uh, Bill. Sorry, we got a call cut here. Uh, it's an um there, not an err. So it's four ums, and then you hit the err. Okay, bud. <laughs> Okay, there's no Ethan. there's no typos here, I would, okay? I would love to see a featurette of the Cone brothers like working out a script together and just reading these parts back and forth. <laughs> oh, definitely. They have to, I feel, if it's that specific with the ers and the ums. Yeah, no, you're right. I feel like Francis McDormand came like went to Thanksgiving with the Cohen's family, like first time, first time out to see Ethan and all that. And like Ethan she goes to like cut the turkey or something. And he's like Actually, you're not supposed to do it like that. Actually, you're supposed to cut it from the side and down. Shut the fuck up, Ethan. Uh, yeah, we don't improv when we're carving poultry in this house. You didn't write Thanksgiving dinner. Thank you. There is, um, even, I've heard stories like this, um, even on, uh, what do you call it there? Oh, God, I can't. Uh, inside Lewin Davis, the p- p- please, Mr. Kennedy. Like, even Oscar Isaac was like, all these pop up pleases and like Ethan Ethan Cohen's like, yep, the pop up pleases. That's what we want here. <laughs> Come on, Oscar. You know, this isn't a fucking Star Wars here. The script is the script. Is he like a That's manager a from Brazil? <laughs> I gotta go back and check out Inside Lewin Davis. I've always wanted to, but it's such a depressing movie. Yeah. Like, it really, really is. You can't it should be because I was thinking about that movie last night because I was going through their movies that I really love that I haven't revisited in a really long time. And I came on that one and I was like, you know, it should be against the law to watch that movie between like the end of September and the beginning of February. <laughs> if, if you're if you're in the Northeast, like yes. the weather, like it just will not not depress you, you know? Yeah, I, I was I want I keep I have it on I have it on criteria and I'm really excited to go back to it. But I not this year, buddy. Nice yeah, try. Definitely <laughs> not. I need a little more sunshine in my life for Inside Lewin Davis. Thank you. Uh, I want so a they... sunnier, warmer movie like Salo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's why just on like Cohen rewatches, and it is just one of my, you know, favorite movies of all time. It is my favorite Cohen movie. But like, there were three weekends in a row recently where like every Friday after Chelsea went to sleep I just put the big Lebowski on and sat there you just enjoyed yourself and just, I, I just I just had to laugh man. <laughs> uh, we cut to them having what we've referred to for years on this show as Fargo sex yes Fargo sex exactly where if uh, you've been confused <laughs> it's just two dudes in a room in a twin bed hotel room yep. on opposite ends just having sex with their respective ladies and apparently it's not group sex i think it is but <laughs> i think i think you have to like reach across to the other twin mattress there yeah, dude there has to be contact i feel yeah it's just but, it's just a, mean, it's just a poorly attended orgy at that point it is group sex adjacent cuz you can easily <laughs> fall into group sex and also just looking at other people doing it while you're doing it that's not porno- pornographic films. It's very interesting. It's well, very interesting. This Fargo sex. It's, it's, part, he's the, your buddy is part of it. Is all I'm saying. And, and, exactly. and this is not. I'm not using any kind of uh, Judeo-Christian whatever. Like th- there's no judgment here. But your buddy is part of the but, event. But I think it's part of it is that like you're they're trying to underline how like isolated and atomized everybody is. Is that they they seem to be having sex in the same room and you would think that, but they also seem so separate from each other. That's that oh, ex- exactly. They're like not. You know, there's no like they're not slapping high five. 
wives yeah. or anything. I mean, like they may as well be alone. The prostitution here, it's just like a utility. Yes. Yes. It's oh big time. That, oh big that time. That scene, the Jose Feliciano scene is amazing. That was one <laughs> oh of the ones that God. really stuck out this rewatch to me. Uh, yeah, Jose I think Feliciano, you got no complaints. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think also because like since we've ha- we've had the Christmas music going on around here, so Jose Feliciano has been in this house already this year singing Feliz Navidad. Also, uh, his great cover in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes. Uh, so I've been having this dude on my brain a lot in 2020, and so this time around watching the movie, I was like. Oh, yeah, okay, you know. Um, but the other great thing, the best detail about this Fargo sex scene, because there the, there's two of them. One is just a uh, Buscemi solo sex scene, but this one ends with, like, I love the cut to them just, like, in bed watching The Tonight Show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is, it's a simpler time, guys. You know, you, yep. you and a buddy pick up some ladies, you go have sex, and then you're watching The Tonight Show. You're watching Carson, Buy not some fucking more. Jimmy Fallon. Some some beers, some Marlboros, some mm-hmm. Pringles cans. Well, yeah, definitely smoking in bed. Don't worry about it. I could not imagine having sex now and putting on Jimmy Fallon and watching it. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, thank God you put it on after you're done, dude, because you'll lose, lose your erection too yeah. sweet. No, no, you're not supposed to do Fallon. You're supposed to be a cordon man. <laughs> That's, the thing is, like, Carson and Letterman, it's like you just shot off. You got your done. You got Dunzo downstairs. I could see kicking back with it. I just can't with these uh, cutesy dudes. No, dude. It's like, oh, I just came. Let's watch. What is it? Slow jam the news. Yeah. Okay. Let's watch the Teletubbies for grownups now. <laughs> Man, that was the best sex of my life. Let's lay back in the great glow that it is. And oh, carpool karaoke's on. That's great. Yeah, let's do carpool karaoke with the band that everybody loves doing. At karaoke, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> okay, oh, Zoe man. Deschanel is doing a song in the house. So we have, I mean, so here's like the big attack scene uh, with Jerry Lundegaard's uh, wife here. They set this up so beautifully. We should say also this woman, uh, Kristen Rudrud. Did you guys get the the interesting bit of trivia for this woman? No. no. So she was. So she's in this. She was in uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous and Pleasantville. Not not a huge uh, actress, but she is from. Fargo. That makes sense. Yep, that makes oh, sense. Which is awesome. which is fucking totally great. Her accent uh, is, is peerless in this film. Like yeah. you know, yeah. McDormand's doing a good job. This is like oh Han, you know, just like all uh, Dadzier. Oh Dadzier, yeah. Dad, you staying for dinner? Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, and oh, then yeah. this. Oh yeah, stay for your, you're gonna fucking cook me a meal. Stan oh, yeah. says the numbers look pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I mean I love, and also like the the way the interior of this house is so warm and so cozy and so like not where crime is allowed to happen. You know what I mean? No, like, it, no, it's so funny. Of you know, like again. This is more comedy than your cool hitman thing. Just Buscemi walking up the deck and looking in. And <laughs> yeah. she's just like, what's going on? Well, that's what's great, right? Is like, so she's sitting there, she's knitting, she's watching like a bad infomercial thing. And they really let you sit in this moment. Like, there's a lot of time that passes before Buscemi ca- like crawls up the stairs. So, like, you're sitting there with her and it's like, yes, this like quaint, domestic, you know, weekday afternoon kind of a they, thing. And then you see him. And the second you see him come up the stairs, though, I I always get tense 
I'm like, oh, fuck, look say, at this guy destroying the domesticity Steve here. Steve Buscemi in this ski mask looks, looks like the gremlin in the ski mask, if you remember in Gremlins. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, you're not wrong. I, I will say, I, they get the relationship to daytime TV like so dead on in this one little scene. Oh, because she's like talking to the TV well, like no, they're she's friends. She's not talking at all. She's but like they're on. But like, but like you know, I, I didn't mean talking, but just like oh yeah, like oh. her eyes are going like because they're like good morning. Ah uh, yeah, we're going on a two week trip down the Nile, me and Katie, and we want all you to come with us. Uh, and she's like <laughs> smiling, and her eyes are going big. I'm like, yeah, Holy she's so shit. in it. They get it all in one little almost wordless exchange she's so in it dude it's like these are my daytime friends like they take me on all these wild adventures and i sit here knitting it's fucking awesome and learn how to make the perfect omelet <laughs> yeah yes that's right um and yeah you know so they break in right here Brusemi just breaks the fucking window to this back door uh and then she starts freaking out and running and then uh here comes uh Stormare kicking the front door open i mean this whole thing I, is just wild i love the detail of her taking the phone into the other room and then them just pulling the line out from under her yep yeah, it's fucking great. She bites Stormare's hand. What does he want here? He's like, I need. It's like some bizarre, like I don't know, uh, uh, like ointment kind of a thing. He keeps like, I need it. I, I can't. I can't remember what it is. Oh, well, in the bathroom. Yes. yes, I need ointment. Yes, exactly. And just and so that's what gets him into the bathroom. Uh, it looks like she's gonna escape. She has those awful fucking rollout windows, man. I had rollout windows. Those things suck. Shit. Terrible. They suck shit, but what's it's such a great detail yes. though, because like it's it's interesting to me actually, Steve, hearing that you had those growing up in the Bronx. Because yeah. like I always associate that kind of shit window crank with like homes in suburbia. And it just it speaks to like the design of this house. Like so much of this house, I mean, obviously so, but like you had these ranch style houses. I mean, I grew up in a similar kind of house my friends had these houses like where they're made in the 80s nobody fucking did shit to them and so like the into the 90s they carried that same look with them and like so perfect for this movie because i bet you anything this house that they found for this part like they didn't have to do much to make it look like 1987 i guarantee you it still just fucking looked that way um, and then seeing those windows, it's just such a great joke. <laughs> like, she can't get out because these are the worst fucking windows in human history. <laughs> uh, and, you know, you, uh, Buscemi thinks she left the house, so he runs out. But then while Stormare is trying to clean his hand, he realizes she's in the shower. This is when she runs out of the shower. And it, there's so much, like, this is Coen Brothers. It's cruel physical comedy at this woman's expense. You know what I mean? And it's just yeah, like it's it's very cruel. And it's hilarious. I mean, it is hilarious because yeah. she just runs out and like she gets wrapped up in the shower curtain and oops, falls down the stairs. Oh man, it's it's fucking brutal. And it's like they just always do that so well, though. It's like yes, it's totally brutal, but also like it's hilarious that she's wrapped up in the shower curtain. <laughs> Yeah, you know, if it's like if she doesn't have that shower curtain on and she's just running, like then it's just scream. Well, because you're wondering, like, what did you think was going to happen? <laughs> like that's your whole thought process when something like happens. You're like, oh my, yeah, I would do that, but why would I do that? That's like what I always feel is at the core of a Coen Brothers movie is like, yeah, I would totally do that. Why would I do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, why would I do that? Uh, I mean, their their whole thing is, you know, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, so at this point, um, uh, they kidnap her, and this is when, on the road, they get pulled over for um, not having their... And again, like 
these guys are bad at crime. Again, like yes. if you if you are a fucking criminal, a you shouldn't be using. A, a, you should steal a car and just steal a car. And be done with it. You're using this car without de- without plates. You're driving around without plates. Like, dude, this is how you get pulled over. Yep, exactly. Like, and and that's what's amazing about it, right? Is like, uh, you know. Uh, Jerry is looking at these two guys as if they are the professionals, yes. right? And he's like, well, they obviously know what they're doing. And then when you see them in action, it's like, no, they're also just terrible. Like, like And yeah. then you think, like, really, Shep Proudfoot? Like, these were the guys? <laughs> like, the, this was the A-team, Shep? Okay. But, like, you're right. Like, he could have swapped the license plate earlier or something. But also, like, there's no dealer plates that he could have even hung. So he's just driving around with it because he doesn't want it to go back to Jerry Lundergaard. Oh, yeah, right? that's a good point. Yeah, that's like really, Jerry yeah. probably didn't even give him dealer plates. He just assumed that they would steal a, a fucking, you know, license plate earlier. Maybe. I don't know. The idea of just giving them a car is just one of the dumbest. Also, but like the <laughs> Shep, like Shep is so an important character to me in this respect because like, he's a native American. And I feel like he sees all this as white men doing their white men stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's exactly so, what and it is. Like, it's like, and like, so he doesn't care. He doesn't care how good Carl and Greer are at their job. Yeah. He's just like, give me the money. That's all I can have at this point. You've taken everything else from me, you fucks. So do whatever you want to do. That's like his, that's his whole view to me. It's awesome. And I, I just love Bishop. Ah, the tags. Ah, I should have changed the tags. He's <laughs> just getting yep. pulled over when they have a woman <laughs> screaming in their, in their, in their backseat. And they wait so long to be like, by the way, don't say anything. <laughs> like, the, the cop is, like, almost at the door, and I think it's Stormare's like, shut the fuck up! And, like, that's the... I would feel like that's the first thing. All right, I'm pulling over. You shut the fuck up back there. I'm pulling over. And then Sammy's like, oh, or we're going to have to, like, shoot you. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, oh, that's... We're going to have to, uh, you know, shoot you. I'll, th- I'll take care of it. I wanted to uh, take care of it in Brainerd. He's got the $50 bill out. Just figured oh, I'd uh, take care of it here in Brainerd. I uh, I want to be in compliance. Take care of it here in Brainerd. <laughs> uh, step out of the car, please, sir. <laughs> oh, man. And then Storm just grabs this dude by the head and shoots him right in the skull. It's such a great shot of the little fountain of blood. Yeah. And I mean, and that's like the first like, whoa, it, that this moment obviously like carries us into a whole other level here. Like now yeah. we're escalating. And it's no longer someone falling down the stairs in a shower curtain. The fact that like I guess Stormare is like going to make fucking Buscemi drag the body as punishment, maybe for fucking up this interaction. Yes. But like, yes. you're the big dude. You want to <laughs> yeah. get this done fast? Totally, you big Swede. Get out of that fucking car and drag this dude into exactly. the snow already. Buscemi's reaction of "Whoa, daddy!" <laughs> <laughs> I love like it. He's got so blood much. all over his face. And I mean, like, yeah, but I mean, and that's the audience being like, okay, this is a different movie now. You yep. know what I mean? Yep, exactly. I love, too, that this dude gets shot right in the head like that, and they're in Brainerd. Oh. Also, that's kind of great. Everybody else that? get uh, uh, very heavy-duty Errol Morris reenactment shots from Thin Blue Line. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I saw a lot of that in this shot, in these shots. Right. I, I um, also love the like this, like... These normies that pull up in the car, like, oh, what's that? Oh my lord! <laughs> yep, totally, totally, man. And so, I mean, this is all great too because they realize, like, these it's like two kids, and they see Buscemi dragging this dead trooper, and it's like, okay, time to go. And then you see Stormare just being like, oh, I just want more pancake, <laughs> and fucking begrudgingly like speeding after but them. this dude slowing down to so slow to watch it, and then his yeah. eyes going wide. His, and his, his, his jaws are like, what? It's like, dude, get the <laughs> fuck out of there. 
<laughs> That's bad. This chase, I mean, this chase is cool, though, right? Oh, it's so great. And it's like, it's so... It's such a Cohen car chase because it's like it ends because not because of anything Stormare really did, but because these people just drove off the snowy road and had a car accident. Yeah. Um, and this dude, by the way, just running away, leaving his fucking girlfriend in the car. And yeah, and he just he shoots this dude in the back and then he shoots her. And it's like, yikes. Uh, it's really so and i mean that whole the shot of the girl like in the car like she's still stuck there she doesn't say anything to him there's no like pleading or anything and he obviously isn't going to say anything and just fucking shoots her super young looking too like it's a real like whoa yeah i mean they're two like teenagers i feel like they're coming from some like high school big game or something (laughs) yeah oh they were going to see the gophers and then i got shot in the fucking back I love how methodical like uh, Margie Gunderson is when she gets out here to the crime scene. And she's like, and that one, uh, she got shot in the face and in the hand. I guess that's a defensive wound. huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, one of the notes I had was like another great thing about Margie is like in throughout her entire investigation of this whole, you know, the triple homicide, like she does everything perfectly like she's an amazing police officer i think it's also it's like you you see a pregnant woman and you think vulnerability or something as the audience but it's like she's and also like a small town cop maybe could be really shook up by homicides etc but it's the opposite of that and she's like totally like used to blood and guts it's kind of cool it's the one gary says uh triple homicide there (laughs) ah well he looks like a nice enough fella (laughs) <laughs> yep yeah, yep that's another weird now let's thing. go see that dead trooper <laughs> oh uh you know i'm not too uh not too sure about your police work there lou yep. <laughs> <That's my favorite. laughs> uh, oh yeah <laughs> yeah the dlr that's for dealer plates oh and i mean and that's great too there's no like like this dude lou is so great because he's not like oh yeah okay you think i got it wrong lady cop what is it you know she's like Hey, I think you you missed something here, and he's like, "Oh, did I?" You know what I mean? Like, just the pleasantry in this police work is so and weird. I didn't mean to jump over John Carroll Lynch's. I'll fix you some eggs. Oh God, oh, dude, fix me some, some eggs, eggs dude. If I could be married to a strong man that would fix me some eggs, yeah, yep. And a painter Absolutely. who paints ducks. <laughs> I Whoa, love you're it, working man. on your mallard there, eh? God, this, it, it, that's the thing. Is like her home life feels. Like a great home life, and that's another interesting yeah. character uh, note. And the, and the thing and the thing you mentioned, Eric, uh, I think it was you about just like her being pregnant. The amazing thing is like that never comes to play in this movie, aside from her being like, "Oh, I got to sit down." Yes, yeah. You know, it's never like she's not like there's not some bullshit thing about like she's going after Stormare and like labor pains happen. Yes, right. And, like she's or sidled like, or by like that. Stormare just... is punching her gut or anything. Yeah, no, nothing like no, that. No, I just think I'm gonna barf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like none of it though sidelines her as a police no, officer. No, and like they get the home life so dead on in very few scenes. Like the quiet moment you get between when she leaves and when she comes back in for the start for the oh get, need the jump just to get that quiet moment of what it's like to live in this kind of house, like John Carroll Lynch's life too. Like yes. living in an empty house all day and paint, painting mallards. I mean, Dude, it's incredible. His, it's amazing, too, because like she's like investigating triple homicides and stopping off to buy night crawlers for him to go ice fishing later. Yeah. And I mean, that whole the whole notion of what their home life is, you know, on like the uh, as far as who's bringing home the bacon is great. Like, 
I've always understood it like he doesn't really have a job, oh, no, right? Yeah, like exactly. she she is bringing home the bacon, and he's like. He's just the dude who's cooking eggs, and then I'm working on my little mallard painting, and yeah, I'll go ice fishing later. That's okay, He'll too. be a house like, husband eventually when, once once the kid comes. You know, exactly. She'll take time off to bring it up, but then she's going to go back to work. He's going he's gonna to raise the kid. That's Exactly. No, it's, it's such an interesting dynamic. That's one of my problems with actually the TV show is that when they try to kind of transpose this character into what Carrie Coon's character is. Yes. And like she doesn't have any warmth, whereas like Gunderson has extreme warmth. Yes. Like she's it's, all business. And it's which it's, season is Carrie Coon in? Season three. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I haven't seen that. I did not see season three or four. I think one is a bunch of fun, and I think two is a masterpiece. Yeah. yeah. Two is the only one I've seen it's in, 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 in its entirety. One I've seen like the first maybe like one or two episodes of, and then like I just kept forgetting to watch it. And now, yeah, I've got like Season three, which you guys have all seemed to really enjoy. I haven't seen a lick of it. And four now, everyone is saying is bad, but I love Chris Rock. So I, I'm like, I watched, do I watch that? I watched one episode and that my, my friend is out of his depth. It's not it's not a good role yeah. for him. It's ah, not, that stinks. Not, it's, right. and, and not that he's a bad actor at all. He's just such a personality it's, that it's not it's not for right. him. But it's also mm. the first season where they're completely like, I don't think any of this comes from Fargo. Yes, which is a problem. Any other of the story doesn't like originate in the well, movie. Well, what in season two they dip down to like Kansas City and stuff. Is it's it's still Midwestern though, right? Sure, but like there's story bits in season two that are in the original movie. Where what it, the aliens? Or uh, well, no, no, the <laughs> uh, the troopers. Oh, like okay. it's all based on Patrick Wilson is like the the one right. of the first like great troopers of the area. But, but personally, I like see. I don't even give a shit if anything ties into the no, movie. No, 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 of course not. Yeah. But yeah, like I feel good. like this was Noah Hawley going full blast on his own for the first time without any help and no origins from the Cohen's original text, and he what, com- four? yeah, and then he completely okay. blew it. Ah, okay, that'll yeah, happen. It's a, it's a bummer, man. I mean that that dude loves whiffing. That fuck Lucy <laughs> in the sky is terrible. Oof, get get the hell out of here with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so like, and I, I do love like, yeah, she's she's doing all the stuff. She's also buying night crawlers so Norm could go ice fishing later. And it's not like there's no resentment, nothing else. You know what I mean? Like she's yeah, she's carrying a wide load. And she's totally cool with this dude. You know, like just kind of supporting her kind of a thing. And I love the RB scene. Oh, you got Arby's all over me there, Norm. Well, that's that's a fucking great thing, right? There's an awesome uh, bit of editing there because she's like. Uh, oh, what is that, Arby's? And he's like, oh, yeah. And she's like, oh, thanks for the lunch, hon. And what they cut to is the bag of worms. Mm. So she says, thanks for the lunch, hon. And the next thing you see is a bag of worms writhing around. It's fucking right. It's such a great and, joke right there. And it's, yeah, it's like <laughs> underneath the whole like polite whatever society, it's, uh, well, you mentioning that reminds me of, you know, in, um, blue velvet where yep. we see the white picket fence and you go yes. down and you see the yep. bugs under the ground yep absolutely dude just the fucking the rot underneath the you know prime vermeer but i mean it's a uh, veneer rather but like it's interesting like uh i don't know that there's really any rot with these guys you know what i mean there's a little, i, I, I will get to it because it, this time around I, I noticed some stuff with them that i found uh-huh. really interesting oh uh, okay yeah. but i mean like the rod in general of midwestern polite society i think it's sure. really and, embodied in this movie by mike yanagita also yes. and buying yeah. the nightcrawlers literally buying the rot yes right yeah oh yeah that's very very interesting um 
So we have the we have the Jerry and Wade and uh, fucking what's his name Stan Grossman Stan trying to discuss like whether or not they're going to call the cops and Wade is like, well, obviously you have to call the cops. You know, he's not psyched about this million dollar situation. He's trying to he's trying to negotiate them down and like Stan goes like, it's not a horse it's not a horse trade here. You know, he's like they're holding all the cards and like yeah, I yeah. just love how much like. Uh, what do you call that? Jerry is relieved that Stan Grossman is on his side for once. That's you what, know what you want. I mean? <laughs> yep. Big Dick Stan Grossman. That's what you always want is his backing. I feel no, like these, the... uh, these uh, ransom numbers are real sweet. Real sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he was with the Clinton campaign even. Like he just has such <laughs> sway in this town. <laughs> I mean, it's it's he's Jerry is so elated that he agrees with him because it's the only only way his father-in-law will ever side with anything that he has to say. It's like, because he just disrespects him so much and loathes this guy. And it's like, all right, well, if Gary's saying it's all right, I guess my idiot son-in-law must be right for once. Uh, it is it, it is great. And, you know, he has to, there's a great scene with, uh, what do you call it there, with Macy and his son. Oh, good old Scotty. Scotty. And he's like really worried, obviously, because his mother's been fucking kidnapped. And the way, Scotty has a white snake poster. Yes. Dude, the two, the conflicting posters of Scotty <laughs> Lundegaard, dude, because there's the white snake one. And then he, the fucking, the button on that scene is so great because Macy closes the door and there's that huge Accordion King poster. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got an accordion on his bed I feel next like- to all this hockey equipment. Like, Scotty Lundegaard is a weird, interesting but- kid. I think that's also his family pushing him into. I mean, the Midwest yeah. with the you know their European origins. I think, you know, I think Yankovic was from out there, probably. Yeah. Oh, is that right? I mean, that checks. The, the interesting thing All that, that was Nordic like shit. <laughs> he, uh, there is the there's the quick fight uh, or disagreement earlier uh, in the Lundergaard household when. The mom is like, yeah, you can't play hockey this year because, like, your grades are really bad. And he's freaking out. And he's like, that's, that's fucking unfair. <laughs> and then you got the the Macy like, oh, hey, geez, let's watch that language there. <laughs> I love it. And also I love the when he goes out to go get food, go to, go to McDonald's after they ate dinner. And uh, the the grandfather's like, you know, they're doing it at McDonald's. They're not, not drinking milkshakes. <laughs> <laughs> Way, shooting up right at the McDonald's. Qu- quick correction: Al Yankovic from California, but his father was from Kansas City, and obviously Yugoslav descent. So I think there's just that European weird monoculture in the Midwest. Absolutely, it's it's out there, man. It'll it'll hook you right in. Polka well, I mean, was huge, huh? Polka, polka, yes. Huge. Oh, yo, yeah, polka party. <laughs> um, and so we have. Uh, one of the things that happens kind of a little down the line here is she goes to this lakeside club, Margie does, and she's talking to these girls uh, that, w- that were part of the Fargo sex. I mean, and this is like obviously one of the most iconic parts of the movie. It was used everywhere. I think this was like trailer and TV adverts. We had these girls, you know, just, oh, yeah. go bears. <laughs> uh, that's the best part. It's just like. Oh yeah, uh, whatever high school, go Bears. <laughs> it's like yeah. this, but that, uh, go Bears. That, um, oh, and yeah. this is, it starts the whole thing of like, and man, Steve Buscemi takes a hit in this movie because like <laughs> everyone is saying that this guy's funny looking. Like that is the 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 through line when anyone is trying to describe Steve Buscemi's character. It's like, yeah, I don't know, he was just uh, kind of funny looking. <laughs> One of these girls also says she's the town is that she's from is Le Sewer. And I just thought that was interesting because it sounds like you know like where the shit is after you go to the toilet. <laughs> sewer. 
I love, uh, I love. Oh, he wasn't circumcised. <laughs> well, so uh, was he a funny looking at any other way other than that? Which is just the greatest <laughs> line. Like, all right, I can't like put an APB out for uncircumcised guys. All right, that's not. Uh, gonna... He's funny looking, uh, uncut. <laughs> Repeat, he is uncut. <laughs> didn't ask I mean, about facial hair at all. I didn't. I'm sorry. No, that's the thing is that she's not like, what color hair did he have? Do you have a beard or so anything? He's such a criminal that even his dick's wearing a little hood. <laughs> Uh, a penis beagle boy, really. Huh. <laughs> um, and you know, we we have the great. Uh, this is the great uh, Mike Yanagita scene here. She she gets a call from him early in the morning. Well, That's actually, like I I was watching it again this time. I'm like, I think he's yeah. calling at 10:45 at night. I think she went to bed early. He saw it on the nightly news in Minnesota that there were killings in Brainerd. Yes. And she was mentioned or interviewed or whatever. And yeah. then he immediately calls the person he just saw on television. Oh, so it's at night. No- I always thought that this was morning. No, no it's, 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 night. it's night. Yeah. Okay. They say yeah, that 10, makes more sense. 10.45 and it's dark and it's just. Oh, it is dark. Okay. That yeah. psychotic behavior <laughs> of like, I just, oh, Margie, I'm going to call, I'm going to call her immediately. <laughs> <laughs> it is great. You know, he's just in his underwear and it's just been gross for a while. Yeah. And it, it, it's that thing of like, you know, especially like back, back then where it's like, the telephone's ringing because that you just called people, man. You know, you uh, you know, there's no Facebook, there's no whatever. That's how you stalked people. You and called she's them a up. cop, so she's got to pick up. <laughs> <laughs> it's against the law for her not to answer oh, the phone. Oh, please don't be your husband. Please don't be your husband. Please don't be your husband. Oh, it's like 15 hangups before <laughs> before he gets her. Uh, I I love the way they compose the shot of her on the phone too, because it's like, you know, she's like, oh yeah, of course I remember you, Mike, and like as the conversation goes on, and you, you know, even from her one side, it's like, oh, this is maybe someone from high school or whatever, and John Carroll Lynch. You know, it's not like he's not intentionally doing this, but it's just a great like he puts his arm over her, like he's still kind of asleep and cuddling or whatever, and like front and center in the frame is his hand with the wedding ring on yes. it, you know, which is just so awesome. Well, how the heck are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so this is what kind of, and that's what's interesting. So she winds up, you know, the next day they wind up going to this horrific buffet. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I think I got food poisoning. Just watch. How's the, the fricassee? <laughs> the name of this, I think there's no like establishing shot, but I think on the tables, there's like a little menu sign that it's Friar Tux, Friar like uh, yeah. deep fryer. Yeah. Oh man, that is disgusting. And just piling on the meatballs and all sorts of different kinds of chicken and <laughs> the fricassee, so Stephen. The fricassee. <laughs> the fricassee is excellent. Um, and this is when she kind of reveals like, this trooper comes in and he's like, yeah, you know, there's uh, he's got more information uh, that's down in the Twin Cities, and she's like, "Oh, I guess I'll go down there." And this is sort of, and like, this is when John Carlos is like, "Oh yeah," like it's kind yeah, of a, he, yep. he kind of understands immediately. Like, wait, she's going on a trip. This cop, like, as he's like breaking this news, stops halfway and was just like, "Oh no, I thought you were going ice fishing." <laughs> like, <laughs> that is more important than the murders. Oh yeah, I'm gonna yep. do that later today. But just so you know what the town is, because like he knows that Norm might be going ice fishing later. You know what I, I mean? He's like, jealous as hell. <laughs> I would be. Oh, I, I'm sure a lot of the dudes 
you know, on that police force with her are fucking jealous of the fact that Norm gets to stay home <laughs> and he's just painting and fishing whenever he wants. I, I don't want to go too far back, but that scene that when he, she she's interviewing the two girls to talk about uh, where they they say they they tell her that they went to Minnesota. And yes. that's like the big and on the trailers, like after Fargo came to VHS, I remember distinctly like critics are saying that it's great, fantastic, excellent. And then it cuts to her being like, does that help you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just the fact that like Steve Buscemi and the way it's like tracked down is like he's still writing like Tan Sierra in the fucking motel book. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good point, Eric. Like, dude, you've got to ditch this car. It's just so stupid. I mean, that's just, that's the whole point of the movie, I guess. But it's it's amazing, especially for it. after you kill a state trooper. Like that, maybe you had a plan before then. Now yep. you've killed a state trooper and three people. You've got to just you know ditch this Ted here. I know you like it, but that's what's so funny too. Is like you figure. He at least has some understanding of that because before the buffet scene, there is the quick thing where Buscemi calls Macy yes. and he's like, you know, circumstances have changed. Blood has been shed, Jerry, the, which is fucking great. He's demanding, you know, the full 80 grand. Because well, that's the thing also we, we, we skipped over is that Macy is, play, is playing it for a million dollars and he's told them it's going to be 80,000, 40,000 for each party. You know what I mean? Right, like, yeah, And now... Right. Now, 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 Buscemi's coming in tough with the eighty grand, and even still, you know, Macy'd still make up pretty okay. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't, you know, he tries to like fight them on this, yeah. and it's like, dude, let it go. It's <laughs> yeah. just another forty grand for your million dollars you're trying to get out of this. Like, yeah, of course, whatever it takes to get these guys out of your lives forever, you know, do it. Also, <laughs> like the idea that, like, okay, so Genie is gonna be freed, and Wade is gonna give that million dollars over to, him, and then suddenly William H. Macy owns a parking lot. <laughs> Yeah, that was exactly. worth 50 that you just talked to your father-in-law Wade about. It's just so, <laughs> again, stupid. It's silly. I mean, and I, I love because Macy has this thousand-yard stare the entire movie. It's the stare that implies stupidity. It also implies just sort of like the crumbling inside. You know what I mean? Like every second, oh. that every scene, his situation becomes more and more dire, and the stare kind of becomes a bit longer. It's just an, a phenomenal performance from him. I mean, well, because nobody nobody plays uh, a character crumbling internally quite like William H Macy. Uh, point uh, here: see his performance in Boogie yes. Nights. Yes, a couple years you from know? now. <laughs> yeah, two years from now. Yeah. I think. Uh, what was it? Ninety-seven. It's like the very next oh, year, geez. isn't it? I thought it was ninety-eight, but I might be wrong. I mean, well, whatever. But like, yeah, I mean, Macy in the nineties, man, dudes that are just f getting fucked over left Storm and right. I also think of Stormare stare too, because like Stormare is what an actual criminal in the real world is like. Yes, like totally like dead zone. I'm just after money. That's my whole thing. It's the money and me like doing what I want, and that's it. And this and I mean scene where fucking Buscemi is like hitting the TV like fuck. Fuck! <laughs> Fuck! And then, like, right. it's just his stare, and you can just tell this is not going to go well. You can tell this is all going to crumble. He's already thinking about killing yes. Steve. Oh, oh, yeah. oh this, yeah. the lake yeah. house hideout yeah. where he's watching the TV, and they're, they don't have any heat, so he's got the oven on open to provide <laughs> yep. heat. That, yep. They're that, stocked there's... with nutrition, though, because they got Pringles cans. Yeah, the Pringles <laughs> is looking good. Uh, you get the hilarious physical comedy of, and it's it just shows you who Steve Buscemi, who Carl Showalter is. 
when she comes out with the with the bag over her head and she's running around in the snow and like Buscemi stops him. He's like, no, no, wait, watch, this is gonna be good. He's like, yeah, whoops. yeah. It's just like <laughs> yep. he's having a ball at this, and it's like, dude, could we not? Well, yeah, I mean, that's it's so totally cruel, and he's just laughing at it, and you're just like, man, this guy is a true scump. Like he's not. A scumbag in the way that Stormare is a scumbag. It's two completely different sets of scumbags here. Uh, but he is also very much a scumbag. Around here we get when Buscemi goes and finally gets license plates for this tan Sierra by going to this parking oh, garage. God. Oh, right. Yeah. I, I, I decided not to park here. <laughs> well, him him fucking dressing yes. down that dude. Yes. Oh. Well, it's $4 or whatever to come. It's like, oh, you've. You think you're a fucking uh, authority figure, you fucking piece of shit? <laughs> calling him a piece you're, of shit. Here's your fucking four dollars, you piece of you shit. Pathetic, pathetic piece, piece of shit. Of shit. Yeah. <laughs> and just seeing this guy, but and the guy, you know, the toll operator, nice as all get out, and then oh, just yeah. seeing his face kind of go sour at being called a pathetic piece of shit. <laughs> what is this incredible? These are the boundaries of your reality, pal, or whatever he says, <laughs> which is just a total beyond. beyond nutty word to say oh man uh you know so margie goes to the twin cities uh these are the limits of your life which is just like, oh that's what he says to the guy yeah, sorry these are the limits of oh. your life here's your four dollars you pathetic piece of shit <laughs> sorry margie goes to the hotel oh yeah no she goes to the whole you know checks in or whatever and then she calls up you know the the you know, some sort of police contact there. And she's like, oh, you know, I had some business down here in the Twin Cities, figured I'd check in and everything. And, you know, then she's, because she's trying to find a Shep Proudfoot at this point. And this is the, oh, uh, thanks for the info. Oh, and by the way, uh, any any place to get a good lunch around here? The Radisson. Is it reasonable? <laughs> I love, you know, oh, is it too expensive there at the Radisson? I'm like, you're in a business trip. Fucking, you know, expense but that. Also, that the best <laughs> restaurant they could give you is the Radisson Hotel restaurant. Oh, yep. <laughs> in all of the Twin Cities. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's an actual, you know, slew of great restaurants, but it's just like, yeah, go eat at the Radisson. So like, the Mike Yadagita scene, which we need to talk about, oh, is just, yeah. it is, it's so tremendous. And it's also like, What's great about it is it's totally it isn't superfluous to the film, but it is wherein if you removed it, everybody is in the same place where they would be at the end. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. nothing yep. actually transpires that actually makes the movie whatever, but it does like it adds so much texture and there is this weird it's just it's so bizarre. It's and a sore I, thumb in the best possible way. Well, I think it's actually I think it aids the narrative. I know people have argued against that, but like the fact that like this dude from your childhood that you grew up with who had like a crush on you is now like a pathetic, like desperate maniac. It's sort of, <laughs> you see yeah. like the transition of how someone can go from like, Minnesota nice to, to this, well, to potential murder. It, eventually like Mike Anagita, I don't think that guy, I don't think that's ending well. <laughs> no, I, w- I want to see this dude's refrigerator post I mean, It goes to the gulf that goes between like w- what a self-image is versus what reality of yes. your character is. And, and that's all that this, this is a huge part of this movie. And, but the other thing too, and I, I think you're totally right, Chris, because yeah, it is about the, intern, in, the internal stuff that you don't get to see and she gets it laid bare for her. But also what's interesting here, what, what I watched at this time, I think she's kind of, She's flirting with the idea. She's not actually going to do anything. Absolutely not. Yeah. She's flattered by it. She, she dresses yeah. up. You know, she comes in, you know, very much so when, when she's when she frames herself in the door of the Radisson, she fixes her hair. She's not like 
she's not, not going to do anything in the world, but like, it's the idea of doing something illicit. It's the idea of doing something sort of wrong. It's like, this guy likes me. Let me just, yeah. you know, let me just, let me give, and it turns out. You're so, smelling it a little. You're smelling yeah, it a little. I mean, and it turns la- so poorly immediately for her that she just reaches her hand back from the fire kind of immediately as opposed Absolutely, to like a Macy yeah. it's like, kind of a thing. Yeah, it's like, oh, geez, there, the universe is telling me immediately this is a fucking horrible <laughs> idea and I'm going to wind up decapitated in a freezer. <laughs> His whole, like, you mind if I sit over here? (laughs) The way that he, like, gets up from the booth as he's saying the sentence. Well, first he he grabs her and gives her the hug. Oh, you look great. (laughs) His eyes go back into his head. Dude, he, I think there's a little bit of a squirt there. (laughs) Oh, I felt it move. Oh, I felt it move. And the, you know what the thing is, yeah. he knows that she's pregnant from the TV, so he's it. He's into it. Is the yeah. oh sure? But this story he feeds her of like, oh, I was married, and uh, you remember what was it? What was the name like Linda Cooksey? Linda, yeah, Cooksey. oh yeah, I think that's exactly oh, what it is. Yeah, Linda Cooksey. Oh yeah, but then uh, she passed away, had the leukemia, and it's like this is. And we find out later in the film, she talks to someone. A complete fabrication. This woman is still alive. Never fucking dated Mikey and Aida. And nope. this this world he's creating. Well, the amazing part about that, like when, when you get that confirmation, I mean, it, it just makes that whole scene way creepier after the fact, right? But like the best part is the woman that she's yes. speaking to is just is not really that. I mean, she's maybe creeped out or whatever, but it's more like a oh, there must have been a miscommunication because then she's just like, <laughs> you know, you should give Linda a call there. Yeah, well, that's the veneer of this fucking yeah. yep. phony yep. society. It is great too because she's like, oh yeah, he was bothering her for a while, and it's just like, <laughs> oh this, right, yeah. the fact that it was just known that this... the mad stalker. <laughs> oh, you got, oh, you got Yanagited. Ah, oh, we're gonna oh, have to tell geez. Linda. You got something. You got Yanagited there. You got uh, decapitated by the ice fishing strangler. Oh, uh, yeah, Mike, the Minnesota molester. Yeah. <laughs> Did he do that thing with the handshake and then put his little finger on you? That's weird. <laughs> I hate that one. I Does he still drive that huge weird van? <laughs> his hair still like that? There's a mention that he like lives with his parents and Yes. Yeah. Oh, I missed that yeah, detail. Yeah. Oh so shit. He's not like he he doesn't have a you know, he doesn't have a home of his own. He doesn't have a family. He doesn't have kids. It was sort of alluded to that he might at this first encounter. And, yes, and also, well, yeah, he, he lives with he lives with his parents as in there's a house that he grew up in. Uh, and the parents are in the freezer. <laughs> he also pretends yeah. that he's a, an engineer for Honeywell. He's like, Ugh. oh, as an engineer, you could do a lot worse than Honeywell. Like, and it's all like, <laughs> it's just totally. I, I do love Andrew when he tries to sit next to her. It is such a bizarre move because it, it would have been fine for Mike Anagita if he came in a little slower. You know what I mean? Just been like, yeah, it would have been a fine, pleasant lunch. She wouldn't have had sex with you, but it would have been a fine, pleasant but, lunch. Maybe a little flirtation. Yes, but and, the but move. Steve- there is a reason why someone like Mac, Mike Yanagita is single. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not It's not just because nobody likes him. It's like the move, dude. You can't do that move. I mean, it's also just like, and now you can't get out of the booth. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, cause it's, there's a wall yeah. in the booth that they're in. I know like some booths and restaurants and whatnot, you know, you can get in on either side if the restaurant is laid out that way. But like, this is like, you can only get in one side and there's a wall there. So like, he's trying to get around and like, would then essentially be like blocking her. Now you can't go anywhere. Yanagita. I'm actually a good right. Why don't you go right back there? 
<laughs> oh, I could see you better. And it's like, yeah, please. Oh, yeah, I don't have to crane my neck there. And I also you know, don't want to sh- press you. I don't want you pressing your boner against my thigh there. Thank you so yeah. much, though. Oh, no, thank you. Felt, I've, I felt that once already when you hugged me on the way in. <laughs> I mean, Steve Park really Ooh, does. Ooh, sporting like... a little boner there, aren't you? Huh? <laughs> I'm sorry, Chrissy. <laughs> What are you saying, Stan? I'm saying Steve Park really does, like, in a movie that's full of just, like, one-off, like, sequences that have these great... Like, the guy who plays Lou is incredible, and you don't really see him again after that first scene. Yes. Steve Park in this scene just, like, blows me away. And, just, like, yeah. and, and I'm kind of surprised he didn't come back to the Coens until fucking Serious Man. I was like, I kind of want to see more of this guy. Yeah. Oh, he's in Serious Man? He's got oh, a small cool. role. Uh, but he's also from... He's the detective from Falling Down as well. Yes, he's in Falling Down. He's in Do the Right Thing for a hot second. Yep. He's got a he's yeah he's great in this movie he's absolutely great in this movie. It just it it, it he burns the, d- the doors down like he, he just goes to crying and stuff and like it just it's so creepy it's so creepy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just love it so much. Oh, he's also I haven't seen this yet. I guess he's in uh, Kajillionaire. Hmm. Oh, who is the he? Miranda July? Yeah, movie. it's a great movie. I I, I don't know who he played. I, I it can't be that big. He's credited as another father. <laughs> So probably not. Uh, this is around where uh, Buscemi takes the uh, the escort to the Jose Feliciano show. <laughs> the old in and out. <laughs> Man, he's just such... It's the great thing, too, when like a scumbag thinks they're being charming. Yes. God damn. And it's just... It is that that very specific tone of like he makes that joke about the old in and out like she's gonna love this one <laughs> again this actress just knocks this little role out of the park like the look Absolutely. the way she delivers these lines like yeah mostly businessmen yeah. <laughs> stuff like that it's just so perfect well and she doesn't want to talk to this dude either he's like oh so you've been an escort long and she's like yeah about a couple of months there like kind of just like yeah how, can we get this over with? Can you just can you just and shoot and be done with it? Buscemi <laughs> is so uncouth too, because it's like, oh, you know, like, oh, this is a fancy place. No one took you here or whatever. But then he's just like, hey, uh, waiter, uh, my drink. Uh, oh, he's got a hearing problem, <laughs> dude. Him getting snubbed by that waiter is fucking hilarious. Waiter, <laughs> it's just they cut the dude walks right by. Uh, <laughs> we cut to them having sex. Oh, we should say to set the scene up a little bit. Uh, Marge has gone to uh, Macy's. Uh, dealership at this point and she's interviewed Shep Proudfoot and if I'm Macy and that happens I'm gone yep. I am already yep. I'm taking whatever limited funds I have maybe there's a petty cash box I could steal from mm-hmm. I am now <laughs> somewhere else yep uh, I am now Barry Fundergaard <laughs> of Belize yeah. <laughs> exactly dude uh, uh, yeah, but so this is like Buscemi is having sex with this woman and Shep Proudfoot breaks the fucking door down and like she goes flying and this is just, oh man. It's a rampage. Well, dude, it is a total, it is a fucking Charles Foster Kane on that bedroom rampage. <laughs> like he is fucking whipping Steve Buscemi. He's choking him with this belt. So he good. kicks the woman down the, the hallway. The knocks on the door to complain. <laughs> oh, right. He comes out and starts fighting the neighbor and knocks him <laughs> dude, unconscious. He is lifting up this neighbor and throwing him through this hallway like it's Inception. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I also love when they're having sex and the woman's like, all right, come on now. Come on. Yep. I, oh, I can, yeah, I can hear the bells. It's like, I <laughs> the, just want to get out of here, dude. The unenthusiastic, please just shoot. I've got other appointments. Why did we go see Jose Feliciano? I do. Yeah. And he just uh, he calls him a little weasel, which is fantastic. You little oh, piece yeah. of shit. Uh, fucking shitbag motherfucker. That's my favorite one. <laughs> yeah, he's just be- and you get to see that. It reminds me very much of that part in The Sopranos when um, 
when Peter when when Tony beats the shit out of Peter Peter Riegert with a belt. Yes. Oh, there, there's much more crying in that scene. I <laughs> yes, feel there is. Peter Riegert. Peter Riegert is really whimpering. That is such a. But that is Robert Patrick level. Just oh, oh that's another sad one. and sad. My favorite line in this scene though is definitely when when Shep pulls uh, the escort off. He's like, Shep, what the fuck you doing? I was banging that girl. And by the way, <laughs> she was just like limply riding him, like just like bare energy. Yeah. I was banging. Yeah, you're totally right. I was giving that girl the best sex of her life until you she, came in. She's about to come for the fifth time, champ. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, he gets his fucking ass beat. And, uh, you know, yeah. meanwhile, this is where Wade is insisting he's going to do the handoff uh, and not William H. Macy. Big mistake, Wade. And then, uh, of course, Stan Grossman agrees. And finally, he's against him. Right. Uh, it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, it, it, that's just, we just like it this way, Jerry. Which, it, it, yeah, it, it, we it, just <laughs> like it this way. That's right. I just love the whole notion of like, if any, you know, if you, if you, you know, step from the plan at all, we will murder your daughter. Mm -hmm. And like, Wade is just like, it doesn't matter who gives them the money. They just want the money. It's my money. So it's my show. That's that. Yeah. yeah oh, my show. That's that. Oh, God damn. It's awesome. Uh, and so, yeah, they, we go to the parking garage here, the top of the parking garage. Where's my damn daughter? Who the fuck are you, old man? <laughs> Where's Jerry? He's so pissed. I mean, this, and this is why it's my favorite Steve Buscemi performance. It's this moment alone where he's just, he's so annoyed with this fucking old codger yelling at him. And, and like instantly, there's no patience for this. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, you know, he fucking murders him. He just shoots him in the he stomach. He shoots Wade. And then uh, he gets shot in the face. And then oh. he shoots him a bunch more. He unloads into this guy. Like, I counted, there's at least no like gene, five shots. No money. No gene. No money. <laughs> How about that? He just shoots him. It's amazing. I just love Wade's performance art. It's so great. I'm exactly. so genuinely surprised he doesn't run Wade over on his way out. <laughs> oh, would that would that have been kind of great, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we should say it's uh, Harv Presnell was the actor who played Wade. He passed away in uh, 2009. Does everybody remember what he's from? No. Face he's off. in Paint Your Wagon. Face Off, he's the, the guy that uh, John Travolta gives the yes. heart attack to. Oh, oh really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking through his filmography. This is quite... Quite a quite a uh, quite a filmography here. He's in Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, Patch Adams. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, Evan Almighty. Oh, you Mr. let Paxter Troy get away and off oh, the oh, heart. Oh. <laughs> Mister Deeds, old school. Evan Almighty, Flags of Our Fathers. Wow, dude, dude worked. Dude worked, yeah. and now he's dead. <laughs> well, Thank that, you. I, that's Barry the story Cohen of brothers line. Yep. Yep, that's exactly right. <laughs> um, yeah, so then this is like, so what, you know, this was a thing I kind of like, I was getting involved on my iPad here and I haven't seen this movie in a while. So this part I kind of missed for a second. So what Jerry follows Wade and then he he finds his body here, yep. right? Yes, because he, he thinks, I, I don't even know why. I mean, he's following just to be a part of it, I guess. But like, yeah, you're not going to get anything done here, dude. Like, sorry. Yeah. There's shots of, after that of Jerry just like pacing around his house, yes. sitting around the foyer. This is, well, this is the hilarious, uh, he comes home and Scotty's like, oh, uh, you know, Gary called, uh, you know, what's going on here? Because Scotty knows about the kidnapping, yes. but he doesn't really know what's going on here. And it's like, uh, oh, oh, he called, huh? Okay. And it's like, he sits down in the foyer and then it's like, 
You gonna call Jerry now? What? <laughs> this kid's just yelling at him, and he's like, "I'm, uh, I'm going to bed now." If I'm this kid, I'm like, you know what? Kind of think my dad's in on it here <laughs> yeah. at this point, man. You don't seem too concerned. You're just going to sleep. Where's Grandpa? Like- Dad, are you sure you talk to Stan Grossman? <laughs> yeah, make sure he knows this is good. Make sure talk to Stan Grossman first before you do anything. <laughs> yep, it's like, man. I mean. William H. Macy in this movie is like the most cocked character in all of Cohen history, I feel. Then uh, Buscemi also murders the guy, another, another fucking, uh, you know, it's off screen, but he murders another uh, parking attendant guy, his, his nemeses, obviously. <laughs> oh, he gets that guy. Yeah, he just, he just you think, is it the same guy you're, no, you're led to believe? It's a different it's dude, a different I think. Guy. You, you see the guy and he's just like, oh, you know, he doesn't even say anything because he just sees. Buscemi bleeding from his fucking oh, face. Oh, like, that's Open right. Open the fucking gate. <laughs> yeah. <that's- laughs> uh, this is where Buscemi goes to bury the money somewhere he would have no possible way to identify. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you don't see him like tie a red ribbon around the f- he, fence post or anything like t- that. He sticks the ice scraper in the yes. up from the oh, thing. Okay. That's what he does. Oh, and this is now. Correct me if I'm wrong. The TV show season one is it. Who plays? Is it Oliver Platt or someone? Freeman. Yes, Martin. Oliver Platt. Oh no, isn't Martin? Oh, maybe. Freeman? No, Oliver Platt finds the money. Is what oh you're yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'm trying to get. Yeah, at. Yeah. Yes. Okay, I was just trying to connect the dots. They there do. Yeah, they the, the first season actually really connects to this movie. Yes. Yeah. Really oh, the right. first the first season of the show, he finds the money from the movie. Yes. 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 And then oh, Billy, weird. Billy Bob okay. Thornton kind of plays another type of Stromer, unstoppable killer. Actor. That I that I vaguely remember. I really only kind of remember that first episode where like Martin Freeman like winds up accidentally killing his wife or whatever happens yeah. there. Yeah, that whole, that it's whole a good thing. I mean, that's, oh, that's interesting. That's, that's, that's great. The first, yeah. Um, I do love. So Buscemi realizes like he's got all this extra money, and then when he goes back to Stormare, he's still. It's it's like such a thing where like, dude, just don't nickel and dime this guy. This guy's a maniac. He might kill you anyway. Yep. Give him what he wants, and you're still gonna make out with nine hundred and twenty thousand dollars. You know, you have all that money, dude. You know what you can do? You can buy all the ugly ass raisin colored motherfucking cars you want to. Because that's the thing that's crazy. They get in this fight because Stormare is like, well, you know, I'm taking the car and they're fighting over it. And, and you know, Buscemi's like, well, what do you want to do? And Stormare's like, you can give me half the value of the car and I'm going to take it. And it's like, again, Buscemi. See the forest for the trees here, man. You got that fucking suitcase buried out on the side of the road. Give Stormare whatever he wants yeah. and ensure you will never but, see this guy again. But in your that's life. not what an idiot would do. <laughs> I know. An idiot but has that's... to do it this way. <laughs> but it's also But that's what all of us watching the movie who are just a little bit less of an idiot are screaming at the television. But it's great because like, that's what the four dollars is, right? This yep. is what that's what this sets yep. up perfectly. This guy is does not like feeling like he's getting ripped off one way or another. Like he just has yep. a code of his own and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it's going to lead him to peril all the time. Meanwhile, my favorite line in the movie is we split the car. How do you do that with a fucking chainsaw? <laughs> <laughs> Are we square? Are we square? I love Dude, him talking through his closed teeth is amazing. That all this insanity is going on, and we get a brief look at what Margie's up to, and she's in a Hardee's drive-thru going, hello, is this thing on? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man. And oh, there's the great the great little scene um, that sort of winds up putting her even closer onto their trail is when 
it's not Lou. It's the guy who comes to the buffet to give her the information. The other trooper, that yes. cop, yes. yeah, oh, God, who, he's like. He's talking to this bar, the bartender who's like sweeping the slush out of his driveway. Oh, and I told him, you know, this ain't that kind of place. The whole thing about like, he says, we're going to get a little action around here. I says, what kind of action are you looking for? He says, you know, ladies or like whatever that line I'm, is. I'm going crazy over there at the lake. I keep, yes. He keeps telling me I'm going crazy over there at the lake. So that would be the uh, river lake over there. No, actually, that'd be the Moose Lake closer to here <laughs> yep. next to the bar. Yep. I love, yeah, he says yeah. the bar's closer to Moose Lake. I I love this this interaction, and this dude's got like a push broom that he's like finishing off his already shoveled uh, driveway with. Yes. And he's got this house that's like next to a factory. It's a very interesting uh, locale. Here. He says, "You're what do you think? I'm some kind of jerk, but uh, he doesn't use the word jerk. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Thought I should uh, call it in, so I called it in. End of story. <laughs> <laughs> this is fucking Mr. Mora, or yeah, Mr. Mora, I think is the character's name. I love this guy. This guy is straight out of American movie. He's waiting for the surge to get cold, <laughs> and, you know? And even this, like, you would think of this as a simple image, but, like, the the way that they're covered and, like, the, the, the way their coats, you don't see it, so you don't know anybody. Yes, exactly. Like, it, it goes because to everything he... they're talking about. You're totally right, Kevin, because when the cop gets out of the car, he puts up the hood and then, like, pulls it tight too i mean he's looking like kenny from south park with this thing it's crazy and it's just great because it just ends he gives them all this information like ah uh, cold ones coming in like oh yeah they're cold like it just and that's what you talk about in the you know in in far in in and around these areas it's just yep. it's all about the weather it's all about the blanketing snow it's, it's the, all about the isolation of it and the geography of the area like yes. what what's the difference between moose lake and like angel lake or whatever the fuck right because they're in yeah. the they're in the land of lakes yes. so it's like you have to be very specific <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. You cannot just say the lake around these parts. I will say, you know, I was watching this last night, um, you know, on on my Blu-ray, and you know, got it in the in the PS Five UHD deck and everything. It was looking great, sounding great. I gotta say, and you know, obviously, it's through nobody's fault. Nobody could have anticipated this, but like, you know, high definition. That is like. When Buscemi is peeling the like the paper towel or whatever off his face in the car right before he buries the money, you can see how the whole side of his face, like you can see the makeup that's applied oh, okay. and everything. It was like like staring at me clear as day. <laughs> um, it didn't take me out of the movie. It was just one of those like, oh, yeah, sometimes it was hard to anticipate high definition. Yeah, they didn't actually shoot him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I understand. No, I know. It'd be cool if they uh, did. Actually, though. in the script, it tells you to shoot Steve Buscemi in the face. <laughs> it <laughs> says it in the script. And there's no typos. Yeah. Shoot him in the face. Shoot him in the face. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. No typos. It's time to die. You're going to the wood chipper, buddy. Look, it's going to no hurt. But it's going to hurt, but it's going to work for the movie. You know that, Steve. Come on. Excuse me. Are you a doctor? <laughs> are you a screenwriter? <laughs> you're gonna be well written <laughs> where are the cohen brothers you're gonna be well written didn't i write my movie there trees lounge wasn't that my script <laughs> I, i'm a screenwriter i uh so yeah i do love um they get into this argument I, in the middle of this argument he just looks at jerry lindergaard's dead wife and just goes ah, what happened to her he's like she was screeching and that's the end of that character like, yep it There's is no wild. Like you see the body on the floor, and you see little bits of blood dripping down from like the the countertop yes. to the floor. Oh man! And then is it around here where Margie goes back to um, William H Macy? Yes. And yes. it's just yep. like again pressing about the uh, 
Like, are you sure the car's not from your lot or whatever? And he's like, oh, yeah, you this is- want me to do a lot count right now? What the fuck now? Da, da, da. You're- yeah, this is the great, I'll do a lot, I'll do a darn lot count. And she's like, what, right now? And he goes, you're darn tooting. And he just drives and- away. <laughs> yes. He's, so he's, fl- he's fleeing the interview. Uh, uh, he's fleeing the interview. <laughs> It's a great. But, I mean, reaction. he does have a point when he was like, "Ma'am, I already answered the question." He does yeah, have a point. He does. I mean, that's, she's got the great line because uh, she yeah says all that, and he's like, "Yep, well, all the cars are there," and she's like, "Well, are the cars counted daily?" <laughs> and he fucking flips well, out. It's, great. Oh. it's also great because she's just like, "There's no," and this is again talking about all the niceness and all the the internal external stuff. It's just like. There's no right. reason to be snippy, sir. It's just yeah, sort of like, yeah, she gets that's like as serious as she'll get. You know, she fucking means business. Uh, and she also, I mean, the other thing that sets him off too is she goes, uh, uh, "Well, can I speak with Mister Gustafson?" Yes. And he knows that Wade is dead, yeah. and it's like fucking goddamn it, lady. But it's also the great police work stuff where she's just sort of like, "Yeah, no, I'm just thinking. You know, this guy's connected to Chef Proudfoot, and there's a missing ten Sierra from your lot." I'm just thinking they could be, you know, connected. And it's just like, yeah, this, dude, the way that she says connected, she kind of like leans in a little it's, bit. It's, it's exactly <laughs> the way somebody would talk to you when they're serving you at Denny's, but it's also, she has got this guy by the balls and she's a police yep. captain. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. It's the exact same it, thing. It is amazing. She's carrying herself like a, a server at a diner. Yes. Exactly. You know, like, oh, here's your coffee, hon. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I got your ass nailed to the wall, motherfucker. Stop <laughs> lying to me. Exactly. Oh, and I, Why don't you save us all some <laughs> fucking time and stop lying? I almost forgot. I just checked my notes that uh, in that uh, she was shrieking uh, scene, we, yes. we got our Bruce Campbell yep. cameo as a soap opera actor on television. And you know the the IMDb says that that is actually archival footage. So has it ever been determined where that came from? I, you know, I don't know. I tried to any featurettes on that, I, Steve. I didn't get there. <laughs> Did not get there. I googled around and I could not find the source. I think I read years oh. ago that there was like maybe a soap or a daytime movie made in the area so oh was, and that would make sense bruce campbell's like a michigan guy right it's like it could be possibly a co-current to evil dead or maybe even before i don't Interesting. know well, the ramies and the coens were brother were buddies right they're pals yes, yes. they um what uh what do they work together on crime wave crime yes. wave was the thing yeah, yeah. And apparently look when when, oh, when ramey yeah. did simple plan the coens Gave him some pointers, kind of a thing. About I think the it. Coens, oh, because that movie's like Cohen like yeah, kind yeah. of. I think the Coens helped him edit one of the Evil Dead's as well, something like that. Or that they sa- that sounds right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a cool little filmmaking community. Absolutely, <laughs> I like that. Well, I mean, yeah. when, when you watch fucking Blood Simple, which I did, dude, I, I got I got to tell you, it was eleven o'clock at night. I was pretty stoned. I just put on Blood Simple on HBO Max, and I was just like, and I hadn't seen it in like twenty years. I'm like, this is a movie. But it's like it's nice. it's so a midnight good. it's kind of a midnight movie. You know what I mean? It's kind of amazing. It's 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 a Coen Brothers movie for sure, but it's the closest one that is kind of a midnight movie, you know? I've only I've seen that movie precisely one time oh, and it was a very long time Dude, ago. Do yourself a favor, do exactly what I just said. Incredible movie. Yeah, no, I I think I think I think you just planned my Saturday night, Steve. Uh Steve, what was the what was the end credits on that one? Was it um was it the four top song? Oh yes, it was actually. Nice. Okay, that's my preferred version. There was I believe there was a DVD or VHS release that had Dream Lover, which I think might have been their original intention, but I prefer the Four Tops, or did they change it for the... I don't remember. Sugar Pie, Honey Bunch is, I think, in both the versions I've seen. Uh, yeah, there's like... What's the deal there? There's Is is it a director's cut of that movie, or what was... There's I, multiple it's, editions? Yeah. It's, just, it's just the song. There was a licensing thing for a while. Oh, or something. So okay. they took it out for a while, and they huh. put it back in, I guess. But... Um, Great movie, and also M. Emmett Walsh is 
Amazing. Oh, dude, that's the most terrifying that guy's ever been. Yeah. I mean, and we should do that movie eventually. We I mean, I'm Fran- sure we will. And Franny McDee is amazing in that movie. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. And oh, Danny she's Day great. Uh, as a fucking gorilla that they oh, met. Dude, yep. oh. <laughs> <laughs> they found uh, me in the wild. I was eating a bunch of a bunch of bananas. Share. <laughs> <laughs> where are my bananas? <laughs> oh, you oh, me into uh, a van uh, with a bunch of bananas. I was a gorilla. I got struck by lightning. Now I'm Dan Hedaya. Now I'm on Cheers. <laughs> Oh, uh, they're teaching me uh, sign language here. Okay, here we go. <laughs> yeah, Dan, good gorilla. <laughs> oh man, the biggest problem, like the big one of my biggest life regrets, is I was working on a really bad movie as a PA, and uh, I had to go back to college. Uh, it was a shot over the summer in Poughkeepsie, and I missed the one weekend that Dan Hedaya worked oh. on the movie. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Oh, that would have made the whole thing worth it. Exactly. Was he there for one scene? Uh, I think maybe one or two. Yeah, Chris. It was very brief. Mm. Um, so yeah, we we have the whole. We sort of touched on it a second ago, but this is he's fighting with uh, Buscemi's fighting with uh, Peter Stormare about the car. He starts in on him about that, and the great ass line of uh, "Oh, and by the way, I want to talk to your friend Shep Proudfoot. I'm gonna nail his fucking ass." <laughs> and he just storms out. He goes, "Are we square?" And he shows him the yeah. gun, being like, "Dude, if we're not, there's gonna be a problem," which is. Not the dude you threatened, by the way. F- Absolutely FYI. not. Just like no, him showing him like opening the jacket yeah. and showing the fucking gun in his trousers. He signs his own death warrant right here. We gotta say though, the fit on Buscemi in this movie, this fucking turtleneck Ooh. with the saber tooth jacket. Ooh, dude, baby, this coat that he's got in this movie is something else. <laughs> I don't think I've seen a coat like it. I like it. I would uh, outside of a comic if, book. If he didn't die in this movie, I would like to believe that this was the origin story of his character from Armageddon. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! I mean, it would make sense, right? He's got to like shag ass, get out of town, just go work on an oil rig, yeah. and he's like secret millionaire wait, wait, going you know? to space. Yeah, that'll get me way way far from my crimes up in uh, Fargo. Sh- Let's do it. <laughs> Shut Proudfoot can't find me in space. Here's the thing. It's Mr. He's Mr. Pink. He escapes the end of Reservoir Dogs. I mean, he pretty much gets arrested if you really listen to it, but you don't know for sure. Right, sure. He escapes. He gets to the Midwest. You know, he's still a criminal bouncing around. Uh-oh, now he meets up with Gary Gergensen, gets into all this Fargo mess. Now that turns out to be a big problem, and oops, now I'm in space. Now, Absolutely, they're, dude. They're mining and drilling on the moon, and suddenly Shep Proudfoot shows up and starts whipping him with a belt. He's in a spacesuit, but he's whipping him with his belt. You son of a bitch. You fucking little weasel. You fucked it up again. You sent me back to Stillwater. Get up, you piece of shit. (laughs) He starts beating up the Martian neighbors. Oh, my God. I'd love that, dude. In space, Shep Proudfoot can't hear you scream. Shep Proudfoot straps Buscemi to the bomb that's going to blow up the asteroid. (laughs) He sends Bruce Willis home. Yeah, get, get your, you know, Bruce Willis, I got someone else who could do this job. <laughs> oh, man. You know, Stormare just coming at him with an axe. And it's the great, like, Buscemi hears his, you know, footsteps in the snow and he turns around and just screams. You want to talk like, about Texas Chainsaw? This is fucking Leatherface, man. It just, it's, yep, it's all one shot. You don't see it coming. It's scary almost. Yeah, it's also like, you know, like the shining. Yes, exactly. Yes, very much. And like, Stormare is wearing the fucking huge hat. Like, he just is so menacing. Like, and then, yeah, you just Buscemi, like, nah! You know, and they they cut like right on you know the impact of the axe or whatever. It's so great. And then Margie's just like, yeah, I'm just gonna go check out by the lake that lead that that uh that the other guy found there. I'm just gonna just gonna check in there. There's the car. <laughs> There's the car. I love. She's so excited. She spots this piece of shit tan Sierra car. 
Oh man, and of course, you know, she she goes around back and I love the way that they introduce what's happening here is like you're seeing her come around the side of the house and you just hear this noise and it's like what could that noise be? I mean, it's interesting too. Like I yearn for a time where I could have seen this movie without knowing that, like, yes. because like this movie was such a pop culture sensation. Oh, Everybody was talking about the wood chipper that like, I, I knew what happened before I saw the movie, which was a bummer. Yeah. You're waiting yeah. for the wood chipper kind of a thing. I don't remember this, the first time I saw this. I know my mom was really into it. Cause my, my uncle is from, or is not from Minnesota, but he, he settled there. And like she, my mother has visited there a couple of times, and every time Fargo comes up, she's like, "Steven, that's how they are. That is, <laughs> that is how they are." <laughs> it's just like she will not stop. Like, all right, all right. <laughs> the, the wood chipper too. That, that that's part yep. of it. That's just how that's, they are. Mm-hmm. That's what they do to each other up there. I mean, this movie also <laughs> made Stu, Steve Buscemi a household name. Yes. Like this yeah. was the real breakout, despite having great performances earlier. Um, yeah. There was even that terrible '90s song, um, "She Likes Me for Me." Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yes. There's a lyric in there that, uh, and that guy from Fargo, I think his name is Steve. Oh, yes. Wow. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> Are they saying Fargo? Because also there's a lyric in there where you know, uh, not because I look like Leonardo. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yep. There's, there's a DiCaprio line in that song. Yeah. Yeah, she, she likes me for me. Oh. And then we're talking oh, about one of my favorite song. movies, and you're ruining it. Okay. It's kind of, the thing is, as bad as that song is, it's still kind of an earworm. Oh, it it 100 is. And that came. That song came on every once in a while. We'll be like making dinner. We'll put on like a serious 90s channel oh, yeah. and that song came on a couple weeks ago and i was like fuck yeah this <laughs> dumbass song fuck yeah <laughs> um but yeah i mean and this is you know I, I made the note here but again like margie just makes like not a single misstep in her police work like everything here including wouldn't you know it shooting this dude in the leg so he can still manage to be arrested and pay for his crime that's what like what would you think like because you don't see you don't even see the wood chipper first you see the blood all yes. over the snow what right would you think that was this is such a dumb way to dispose of <laughs> yeah, a body. it's just insane i'm like you leave evidence everywhere so yeah yeah let's put, put it everywhere put the fucking body everywhere <laughs> a bloody mess is what i want to make this house that like, makes yeah sense. meanwhile like there's a frozen lake yes. right there dude yes. go find a saw and cut a hole by in the it. time spring thaws it out you're in mexico Yep, and that dude is fucking fish food, man. They're not finding but shit. But Peter Stormare, the thing is there, I don't even know if Stormare has the, the, the competence to go to Mexico. He's staying right there with the body in the leg. <laughs> yeah, because he just like looks at things and destroys them. Yeah, that's it. That's his that, mode. There's no there's no like yep. thought process. There's no long game. There's this is my like in like a Jason Voorhees moment to moment. Yep. You're totally right. And I mean that's why you, whichever one of you guys like made the comment that he's like a proto Anton Sugar, like that's exactly right. Cause it's like Steve Buscemi is basically a, like paired with the angel of yes. death in this movie. <laughs> I'm just imagining Stomare staying there two weeks later, like, Hey, uh, it's your neighbor from across the lake there. Do you have a problem with some cranberry juice or something? <laughs> just uh, noticing it's a, it's a big mess you got on the side of the you house. You spill though. some jello outside? <laughs> Look, I'll loan you some paper towels there if you want to clean up that mess. It looks like the Kool-Aid man exploded. <laughs> <laughs> did you just tip him over there? Is that what you did? <laughs> uh, looks like the Kool-Aid man came by and slipped on the ice and spilled a little there, huh? 
He won't be saying, oh, yeah, no more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you taught that sentient can of juice a, a lesson there. Oh, dude, that's kind of crazy, right? Like a regional Kool-Aid man. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, I'm from the fucking Bronx already. Oh, I'm a fucking Kool Aid. I'm a big pitcher of juice, motherfucker. Oh yeah, bro. Kool Aid. The Kool Aid in uh, Fargo tastes like fucking pickled herring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, crab juice and Mountain Dew, man. Uh, so yeah, this is the great. Like she's talking to him in the car, driving him back. You know, I guess that was your accomplice in the wood chipper. <laughs> fucking great. Great thing here, you realize, like, she goes through, like, all the people that he killed in the movie, and it's five people, and you do that math, man, he's taken lives for 8K a soul. Oh, dude, yeah. That's, you know what I mean? Like, goddamn, killing five people for $40,000, oof. And he's going down for all of them, so, you know, he's going oh, down yep. for... I, I, they don't. Men, they never mention the parking lot attendant, but I'm sure he's he's tied to it, you know, the dad yeah, eventually. Yeah, oh, they'll... they'll They'll tack that guy on for sure. Mm, he's not. I don't know if the death penalty was around in Minnesota at the time, but he's going down, dude. Yeah, one way or another, man, this this guy's rotting somewhere, either in hell or prison. Yup, and I hereby pardon Garrett Gunderson. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We're sorry for the way the state of Minnesota's treated you, buddy. <laughs> We're also paying for your flight back to Sweden. All right. <laughs> Yup, yup, extradited to Sweden for other crimes, yup. You know, they don't say it, but uh, Greer Gunderson makes the best beet salad in all of Minnesota. It, it's actually <laughs> Garrod Grimsrud, my bad. It's like, it sounds like a fucking Harry Potter character. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and, then, and then she's it's just like the great, like, and here you are, and it's a beautiful day. I just don't understand it. Like... Fuck, she's great in this movie. Def deserved that Academy Award, oh, for man. Sure. And like, she, oh, dude, she's she just staring out. What, I'm saying, did she win for this? But she won, yeah. Uh, she won oh, yeah, for okay. this. Yeah, they yeah, won yeah. for Macy. Screen... Macy was also nominated in Lost. Oh, okay, maybe that's who did he lose to? I'm curious because that's a that's a tough fucking room. Dude. That I don't remember. They lost Best Picture to The English Patient. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah, which is still a movie. I've never seen you, I've never because seen the it. description of it on Seinfeld you, was more. You than could enough. watch that movie a dozen times and you wouldn't remember a lick of it. Like it's just <laughs> such a boring long movie with like yeah good performances, but my god. Okay, so yeah, I just here. I don't you know any of those like uh, the ninety seven you know, oh the ninety seven Academy Awards. Oh uh, here we go. Wasn't this the year of Uma Oprah because he's flying in the plane? Possible. Uh, oh, uh, well, it was it was he. He was referencing, I think I remember this bit now that I'm thinking about it, like, he was referencing when he hosted and did the Uma Oprah thing, because it was Billy Crystal doing his, like, intro bit, and they did the plane bit from English Patient, and it was Letterman, if I'm remembering this right, Letterman is flying the plane, oh, and yes. he's just like, Uma Oprah! Oh my god, <laughs> that intro is amazing, I really like when they edited people into the movies. Um, Those were always fun. Cuba Gooding yeah. Jr. won for yes. Jerry Maguire. That's, Maguire, that's uh, what it was. That's yep. yeah. yeah. He beat uh, Ed Norton for Primal Fear, Macy for Fargo, Armin Mueller-Stahl for Shine, and James Woods for Ghost of Mississippi. But, well, that's you know fine. What? I mean, I honestly, I mean, I think, I think Macy maybe was the more memorable performance for me. I haven't seen Shine, but I know Armin Mueller-Stahl is also a good actor, and I think Primal Fear is probably one of the best Norton roles. Too. Yeah, it's, it's a great role. Uh, and Francis McDormand uh, beat. Um, Diane Keaton from Marvin's Room. Sure. Uh, Chris and Scott Con 
it's Chris, Chris Scott Thomas for English patient. Emily Watson for Breaking the Waves, and Brenda Blethen, you fucking morons for Secrets and Lies! <laughs> you fucking Steve, ingrates! Me, fuck can you. I ask you a question, Steve? <laughs> yeah. Steve, have you seen Not Secrets and Lies? I never okay. will. I ne- All right, I never just will. check You know, I still have never seen The English Patient, but Kristen Scott Thomas was great in Only God Forgives, mm. and I think that's a great movie. Oh, Sorry, yeah, everyone. She's, she's like the mom in yeah, the movie. She's a forgotten actor. Yeah. She, had, she had some heat for a while. Oh, she was great. She still is great. Yes, yeah. Um, so um, we get. Yeah, uh, I mean, we 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 do get uh, Jerry fucking getting arrested, uh, and it, just outside of Bismarck, man, he's still in fucking North Dakota, just outside of Bismarck. This to I, me, I love that. Well, he doesn't have a ton of money, it seems. He's you know? like going by yeah. a fake name, like the cops are knocking on the door. Uh, Mr. Anderson, is that your car uh, outside? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Is that your tan Sierra, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Anderson? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, I'm in the gosh darn matrix. I should have taken the gosh darn red pill. <laughs> I love the little like hotel manager who's like, "Well, I'll just unlock the door for you, police officers." This may and yeah, they run in. Oh, it's so humiliating. This may be the most saddest, like oh. genuinely saddest thing I've seen in all it's of Cohen. Gu- it's movie. gutting. It's, it's like, gutting. oh yep. god, man, he's like, sobbing into a fucking motel bed. And you could just tell, like, <sighs> he had this idea of what the ambition of his life was going to be, and it's just gone now. Yeah, and he, oh, yeah. he turned out to be a family annihilator. <laughs> yeah, his, uh, his son's never talking to him ever again, that's for sure. Right, I mean, the grandfather's murdered, the mother's murdered. So I think what's going to happen is Scotty is going to be adopted by Stan Grossman, and it's going to mm-hmm. become like a Citizen Kane thing. Oh, that's <laughs> right, dude. He's fucking working for the bank. He's gonna, for the business bank. He's yeah. going to be valedictorian, uh, fucking captain of the, the hockey team, the whole bit, dude. He's going to He's gonna fucking straighten up and fly right. Now remember, Scotty. We're not a bank. <laughs> <laughs> there is a man. Scotty Lundergaard's the man. Scotty's not interested in oil wells, real estate, or shipping. Oh, wait, I said that out of order, but you get it. <laughs> Scotty's interested in hockey. <laughs> Scotty's going to buy a hockey team. His last words are, <laughs> white snake. <laughs> what does it mean? What is he getting um, at with that? <laughs> And after he's so pathetically fucking arrested, we just have this really nice final moment of, you know, Margie back at home uh, with John Carroll Lynch in bed, you know, just just another day, like just yeah. another day on the well, books. He, kind lo- of a thing. he loses the paint. He gets second place for the right, painting he's... contest for the stamps. Like, oh, they're going to put it on the three stamp there. And he's, and he's and he's, you know, he's genuinely bummed. It's like, oh, that's pretty amazing. People use the three step whenever whenever they change the postage. I, yeah, yeah, that's like the greatest. Like she's able to find the bright side of this stamp thing too, she's right? Like totally right as well. <laughs> like those people are going to see your mallard, Norm. I think you should be pretty proud of that. And you probably got a big fish up ice fish. And I think Norm is fucking awesome. It's it's also perfect to put this right next to the Macy scene because like you can see that John Carroll Lynch has that ambition thing in him. Sure. Where he's like he he is kind of pissed that he got second, even though it is an honor and everything like that. And she has to be the one to like don't buy into that world, don't do that. Right. I mean, that's what's great though is like he has someone like Margie to yeah. do that, whereas Jerry did not have that support from his family, well, he did. not I mean, from his, his wife, wife. Seemed okay. It just yeah. it seems like he was an asshole. He was never going to yeah. yeah. let his yeah. wife have that kind of uh, relationship with him, I think. Exactly. Well, but I, no, but I feel, no, but I think it's definitely a thing, though, whenever it's coming down to whether 
you know, oh, I have to choose between like the, you know, uh, opinion or idea of my husband or the opinion and idea of my father. She's going with the father every fucking time. 100%. And that's, that's what I mean by that. Like she, she might be a totally great, you know, wife and everything like that, but like she just, you can clearly tell it's like where daddy will always come first. So like. Yeah, but like Jerry—he—he he doesn't have. He's that. also a piece of shit because he's just. Oh yeah, he, he allows that to get under his skin when he really just shouldn't fucking give a fuck. It's—it's it's certainly his fault. Dude, I'm not trying to absolve this, I mean, Jerry Lundegaard of that. But, but this movie is kind of like the argument is like, listen, people like Jerry need to be more like people like Norm. Yes, just fucking drink, go to the fucking Gophers game, get a fucking ticket up by your, you know, whatever. Like, enjoy yourself. Become yeah. a normal guy. <laughs> Yes, and, but I think that's sort of, and then the last line, obviously, is, like, you know, Norm, I think we're doing pretty good here, which is a, a beautiful yeah. line. It's super warm, and it does sort of bring the whole movie together, and then they're going to bed, and this is what, what I got this viewing only, is, you know, uh, Norm's like, two more months, and he kind of pats her stomach, like, kind of hopefully, and then she kind of almost exasperated a little nervous, like, two months, and it, it's, that's the two, her reaction to two months, I've always read as, like, super hopeful, super, like, yeah, it's so... Not the nice the family but i think like she's a little affected by seeing a man in a wood chipper like what is this world that i'm bringing this child into well exactly right yes. it's like it's two more months until our lives change forever yes right and it's like you can do all the prep you want but yeah then it's that question of like two more months until what yeah. we're bringing another soul into this to fucking right. be possibly put in a wood chipper that, someday and there's kind of parallel parallel yeah, parallels there with like no country for old men with tommy lee jones's yes. character as the aging sheriff and and her of like can you believe this fucking world it's it, yeah it's, it's more yep. hopeful but it, yeah it's 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 closer to no country for old men than not even but you know what i mean in that way but it's also the fact that like that's all they're thinking about is two months Whereas, like somebody like Jerry Lundegaard was thinking about years ahead, was dreaming of this yeah. future, and they're like, "No, just get through the two yep. months." That's exactly. all. You're it. totally right, dude. Like, let's just take it a step at a time. That's and yep. she never tells him about Mike, about Mike Yanagita. You don't know that. You know, nope. you don't have that scene. So, like, whatever. You know, yeah. again, she didn't want to do anything, but it's there. Like, she was looking around a little bit. But now, you know? like Mike Yanagita is now the fucking is is slime. Oh, my God. And you don't bring that up. Like, you don't yes. bring up Steve Buscemi. You don't bring up Mike Nanagita, who was a certified stalker at this point. Like, <laughs> yeah, totally. You know what? At that point, it's like that becomes work now. <laughs> Mike Nanagita is fucking renting his own wood chipper, dude. Don't worry. <laughs> I mean, about it. It. To, to like Paul Bunyan, like the myth, like we all create yes. our own myth of ourselves. Yeah. And it's yeah. depending on do you buy into it or are you allowed yeah. to separate yourself from that? My myth is, yep. by the way, is very good. It's going to be on the Gleep Glossary. Yep. Who's <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, yeah, Bunyan is, I mean, is great because it's an axe. That's obviously what, yeah. uh, what do you call it? Uh, Stormare uses, you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. it's all there. Oh, babe, the blue ox there. Yep. Oh man. This movie, it's one of those things like, and this happens to me a lot on, on we love movies specifically is like, I go into these shows and it's like, yeah, I'm fucking, you know, of course I love Fargo. And then like talking about it with you guys and like expanding all of these ideas even more. I'm like, coming out of this episode now that we're you know it's over with like fuck that movie's even better than i realized yeah solid so agree teamwork reading these movies together <laughs> <laughs> um and i you know i think for sure this is universally it all holds up i mean i'll say I, one thing i wanted to just a quick uh, anecdote about uh, showing this movie to people i once screened this movie in like a film 101 class that i was teaching 
And so this is maybe like uh, like five years ago or so at this point. And like they're all like, you know, 18 year old college kids. And like it first it was a real like, oh, you mean the TV show? So I wanted to fucking turn to sand and die <laughs> yep. immediately. Yes. But like what was great was you could just tell they had never seen anything like this movie. Yes. And the reaction, I remember having this thought for the first time when uh, 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 Stormare is stalking the two people who flip the car and he's just like shown the brake lights are really the only the brake lights and the and the headlights are the only lights you can see so like he's bathed in this red you know so i was like telling them things like you know these are how you read movies like he, this red light is bathed on him it's like a sort of you know evil incarnate you know possibly the devil kind of thing and you could just see them being like holy fucking shit you know yeah. so it's like this proud papa moment <laughs> for me like these little kids are learning to read this movie this way um, this, but yeah, I will great. say this movie has what we didn't even talk about this scene, but it has one of my favorite shots of all the nineties. And that is the, uh, aerial shot of Macy after the meeting, yep. walking back to his car to scrape oh, the yeah. ice off of the front. <sighs> it is like one you, of no words, just like frustrated grunts and squeals. Mm -hmm. And every, dude, every moment of his life is a struggle. And it's all in that image too, of like, he's walking back to through a, a, a path he made for himself that went off the tracks. It's incre incredible. It, it, it's amazing. I got to say, because uh, we're not talking about the movie, but I saw the most, I've seen a bunch of people, you know, celebrities, et cetera. You just bump into them here and there in New York occasionally. Not a huge deal. Oh. I was at a, at a, I was at a restaurant in Brooklyn. Hobnobbing. And I saw Steve Buscemi, <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to get arrested tonight. Tonight's the night I get fucking arrested. <laughs> oh, shit. Because it was just like, fuck, that is, I mean, like, and just, it was, I was so shocked how, like, enamored just seeing that man in person was and thankful yeah. and like i'm just really glad that i we had we already paid our bill he just came in he sat down he was getting a beer and, and food and i was like i have to leave or else i'm gonna get yeah it's just it's yep. just it, it, i i don't yeah. want to ruin steve buscemi by him saying could you fucking leave me alone please you know what the i mean like that's the last thing i need <laughs> and magnetism of someone like, like that i could see being drawn into that fire oh, for sure as a moth I, myself i got it I gotta tell you a, a, a near, like a almost catastrophe that I averted here. <laughs> my, okay, yeah, I, was were, at, were, I was you, at I was at brunch with my father, and we were uh, we were just talking. And Frances McDormand and her kids come in to have brunch. Now, my dad likes to go and like say something to celebrities. Uh, He's one of those uh, guys. Your dad, your dad likes bothering. He, does. he absolutely does. He once, you know, now I'm <laughs> sure he, he he doesn't like the story being told, but he once saw <laughs> Kevin Spacey in a hotel and said, Kevin! <laughs> <laughs> and Kevin Spacey just kept on walking, as is his right at the time. But So your father uh, uh, kidnapped uh, her children. That's true. No, no, no. <laughs> so my dad's like, oh my God, you see what that is? And he's like, I got it. I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm like, Dad, don't do it. And he's like, come on, it's Frances McDormand. I'm like, don't do it. She's with her kids. Leave it alone. And like, this was a five-minute conversation I had to have with my dad. Him on the ledge about to jump. Me I'm talking him down. I'm like, come on, just come back to me here. Uh, yeah, that's my story. From Wait, so you you were you succeeded, oh, though, yeah, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, he didn't say anything. You, your, fa your father and, wasn't arrested moments And I looked later. over at one point, and you could tell, I looked over at Frances McDormand at one point, and she was darting her eyes at both of us. Oh, so yeah, I was like, yeah, They can always yep. smell those people Hell. a mile away. You, and then when they, have the, when they have children with, you really got to back yep. off. I remember I was walking around the Upper West Side once, and I was just like, you know, just loitering around a park like I do. And... <laughs> 
I saw it was probably before we recorded and I was killing time. And I saw Richard Kind with one of his oh. children. And Richard Kind, like we me and Richard Kind made complete eye contact and his eyes said, Come on, man. Come on. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Come on, man. Yep. Not today. <laughs> so I didn't today. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, well, friends, I think that brings us to the end of the snowy road here. This has been Fargo, uh, of course, uh, made by the Coen brothers. Mm -hmm. Um, as always here on We Hate Movies, uh, you can catch more exclusive content over on Patreon.com slash We Hate Movies. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, oh. It's been 10 years. We got to do a little a little thank you to everybody who's ever. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Come on. Yeah. This is a decade yeah. of this crazy bullshit, and none of it could have happened if people didn't care we don't have cachet outside of this show. We didn't. We we didn't ha bring fans to the show. Fans found it. Fans made the show. Yep. And to that, I thank every single person who's ever listened. Exactly. Oh, yes. don't, Absolutely. There's no publicist booking this one, folks. Oh, no. <laughs> That's true. So, you know, like <laughs> yeah. this is for you by you. I'm saying, like, you yeah. elevated this show to be where it is now, which is still on the margins. But thank you. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, if it if it wasn't for you, we'd all be driving tan Sierras, fucking ripping off our father in law. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I do want to mention that you know this week we're also dropping our three hour and five minute episode on Lord of the Rings. That's Fellowship. right. That's that's right. If you are listening to this uh, on the day it comes out, which is a Tuesday. Uh, y'all can enjoy that episode on the Patreon. Yeah, like this Thursday, I do believe. Uh, which was that conversation gave me life. I have to say, gentlemen, that, that was it's it was long, but it was one. fucking fun, yeah. man. Uh, and you know, if it's to learn anything from Jerry Lundegaard's mistakes, it's that take every day at a time and have fun however you can. Uh, so there's a lot of Patreon content that's going to be uh, spread throughout the month. That is awesome. We already have the Gleep Glossary on Master Yoda himself. That's right. Uh, that's a wild, slightly disgusting 41-minute conversation. <laughs> a full animation damnation on Batman Mask of the Phantasm, one of my favorite things ever. Mm -hmm. And that's about 80-something minutes or 80 minutes, so mm -hmm. definitely check that out as well on the $3 level. And then we got another big boy on the Nexus this month, Eric. That is right. Three. I think it's... I think the raw recording was 257, Jesus. two hours and 57 minutes on Star Trek 2009. We have not yet gone through the editing process, but I am very excited to share that with all of you. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, as always here on the show, we roll on. We Love Movies Month continues next week. Steve Sadek, we got a big one. Uh, what's going on on the program next it week? It is Batman Returns with our buddy Jamel Bowie. Oh, yes. We always love having Mr. Bowie on. This is going to be a lot of fun. We're all big comic fans. We're all big Batman fans. This is going to be uh, quite the conversation the, I am looking forward to. The best to. superhero movie, my opinion. Oh, get, we'll get into my I think opinion. you might be right there, Chris. Mm, yeah. Really? The I'm excited one. to reappraise it because I feel like 89 might edge it for me because... Oh, yeah, because... 89! <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know great? About 1989, it was also on the edge of the decade. It's true. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, so until next week, when we're edging over Batman movies, I'm Andrew Jupin. Steven Sadak. Eric Siska. Chris Gavin. Take it easy. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>